Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Kong, colon, Skull Island. Did he get a tattoo or something? Because I feel like he got a tattoo. Every which way you can, Kong will get a tattoo. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, good morning! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 277. 277. That sounds like a good prime number. It's probably not a prime number. 277? That could be prime. No! Whenever we start the show, we should really have isitprime.com up, just to, like, really have this It is a prime number. Boom! It is the 59th prime number. How did you find that out so quickly? Uh, How did I figure it out so quickly? Google. Thank you, Google. (laughs) I was just curious. I want to know. I want to know if there was an isitprime.com. I feel like that'd be a good site. Oh, I don't don't think that there is a isitprime.com. It's probably an Optimus Prime fan site, if I had to guess. I feel like you're going to have to buy the URL. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this week... Uh, 277, the 59th prime number. Uh, we're talking Kong, colon, Skull Island, the latest incarnation of a King Kong film. And joining us today to discuss Kong, colon, Skull Island, we have, from the Lambcast, he's tried to run and he's tried to hide, but he has yet to break on through to the other side. It's Jay Cluett. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> <laughs> and author of the ongoing multi-volume series Who Won? An Irreverent Look at the Oscars, it's the return of Robert James. Good morning. How are both of you doing today? Fine, thank you. I'm very well, thanks. Great. Glad At least we're not recording at 3 a.m. like last time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I believe last year, like almost probably to the day, when we were talking Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice, uh, yeah, we had Jay on URL on our, on the, for the first time, and yeah, we were recording yes, yes. at night, which means it was very early in the morning for you. <laughs> yep. If you, if you um, don't know, Jay's from across the pond. Yes, I am not on the same island as you. <laughs> it happens. Um, we were once connected in Pangea. <laughs> I don't remember that time. Well, oh, before. all right. Well, uh, <laughs> few of Surprise, us I'm a million years old. <laughs> well, so let's get some things in order here as far as why I have these two guests on, because I'm excited about this, uh, this episode. We have Jay on because, Jay, I was on the podcast with you and a couple others to talk about the other King Kong films uh, a little while back. This is true. Yes. Uh, I, I am a big fan of the 2005 version, and now the 1933 one. Now I've seen it. Less so the 76 one. That's that's not a good film. That's no. That's a regrettable entry in the <laughs> King Kong franchise. <laughs> yeah, we were on the episode of the Lambcast. I believe it was called King Kong's Ding Dong. I believe is what you put. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I didn't put the S in. I didn't Appropriate. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the King Kong Ding Dong show. I wasn't claiming the show was. King Kong's penis. That's. <laughs> it's good to have that clarified for when people look up the show. Um, well, if you'd like a piece of trivia, the gorilla actually has the smallest penis of all the primates. Did Even I know when that? it's 25 foot tall, or however big the one in this one is. Because <laughs> they probably not the smallest one there. <laughs> and, uh, Robert, um, we've had you on. The last show you were on was for Godzilla, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's true. And I, I, I felt this would be a good time to get you back into, because of this is, 
within the same franchise. I figured, this makes sense. Get Robert back on. Plus, I feel like you've done some extensive research on the previous Kong films. Some of the older I ones, for sure. I have in the past, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, just to remind viewers, or viewers... We're doing we're doing a video podcast. I don't know if you guys. Yeah, we're doing video I saw cameras in all your houses. We're, <laughs> we're, we're on YouTube Live right now. Yeah, to, to remind you're it. to remind the listeners, you you've written you've you're writing an ongoing series of books called Who Won. Do you want to describe what the what the the premise of this uh, series is? Well, essentially, uh, I'm going back through year by year and uh, basically deciding what should have happened that year at the Academy Awards. I watch every single film that's been nominated, providing they still exist which is surprisingly still not true of a few things. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I also watch every other film that should have been under consideration, and I go through every single category and argue seriously and humorously as to what should have won and not won, and uh, basically slap the Academy around for making some very poor decisions over and over <laughs> and over and over You're talking again. about 2004's Crash? Okay. I haven't gotten there yet. 2005. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, 2005, sorry. 72. You're at 72? Yes. What uh, what volume of book are we on? We've uh, published four books. Uh, the most recent one was out in December, and it covered from 1964 to 1970. So I'm almost halfway. All right. And what what I like is that there's a there's a number of more recent films that you haven't seen because of this. Uh, not just yes. like now, like in the 2000s, but even in like the 70s and 80s. There's some films that you're like catching up to for the first time. Which Very I, much so. Which I find rather exciting. <laughs> that's, that's really. I am too. I, I'm enjoying watching things I've never seen before. And then again, there's always the clunkers that I wish I'd never saw in the first place. But uh, the things I do for my fans. I mean, there there are two <laughs> Clint Eastwood and orangutan movies coming up. So I mean that, and I'm sure <laughs> I've seen those. You've seen any which way but loose, and any which way we can. <laughs> yes. Jay, have you I seen any which way but loose, and any which way but loose? Used to drag me to them back when they were first released. <laughs> Jay, have you seen the uh, Clint Eastwood orangutan duo? You will be unsurprised to find out that no, I have not. Okay, and it's 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 every which way but loose, isn't it? And any which way every we which can. way we but loose, and any which way we can. Yeah, I have not seen those. There I was have a no song, plans there was to a see song them. for any every which way we but loose. I don't know if there was a song for any which way we can. <laughs> no, they're they're not in my future. I don't. Oh, I don't have plans to see them. I, I will. I will get your various guests, and we will all put them up as movie of the month categories. And then, oh, yeah. wonderful! Movie of the month categories. Yeah, and you can you can do a double episode. Ship straight to your home for yep. only four ninety nine a month. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, all right. We're good to get some some history on the guests in mind as we uh, get into Kong Kong and Skull Island. But before we do that, let's get to some uh, quick show notes stuff real quick. Um, let's see. This is episode two seventy seven, as we established. It's both the fifty ninth prime number and <laughs> once again a gateway to our three hundredth episode, which will be coming up. If I had to guess, sometime in the summer. Um, so that means that Abe and I, we need to plan out what we're going to do for episode 300. So just uh, let's well, keep, a good idea. We'll just keep that yeah. in the back of our minds. I just like to say it out loud so we, we know that we should be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and what else? Uh, commentary. We do a commentary track every month, and uh, it's coming around that time where we should probably do a commentary track. So uh, we'll uh, we'll look into that. Maybe we'll record something this week. So uh, yeah. We'll Lake Placid. Lake <laughs> Placid. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about kaiju's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what else? Let's, last thing, iTunes reviews and ratings. If you want to go log on to iTunes, search for Out Now Out There and Abe, you can find us pretty easily. You can give us a star rating, which would be great, and you could even uh, write us a little review, and that'd also be pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you very much in advance. All right, so let's move on now. Let's get to let's get to know everybody. Where each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know, know everybody. everybody. That was good. It's pretty good. That was good, guys. 
Thanks for chiming in, Jay. It's <laughs> I felt bad for not doing it last time. Yeah. I, I regret. <laughs> Guess I, like, I did chime to. in, yeah. <laughs> but I meant to, and I did. So. I'll, uh, I'll start this <laughs> one off. What okay. giant thing would you not want to see? Like, that's what, exactly my question. That's exactly your question. <laughs> that hasn't happened in a while, Abe. Eh? That hasn't happened in a while. That, that's the same question that I have, but I'll think of another one. We, we, used, no, to, we just, used to have a lot of those. We used to have a lot of those in everybody where we'd come up, we'd have the exact same question in mind. Our, our minds are more in simpatico. In simpatico. In, in, <laughs> we'll stick with this question. Okay. That's mine as well. What's well, a giant, like, creature that you just wouldn't want to see? Or, I don't I'm know, trying to think of object. one that I would want to see. <laughs> there's, there's not that many. Like, I'm trying, the worst one I can think of is maybe like a jellyfish. Oh, yeah, you think of just a standard jellyfish, but blown up a hundred times, and then stick that in the ocean when you're trying to swim. There's no escape. You're, that's just going to be terrible. No escape. Because it's, it's got the limbs that can go everywhere, the tentacles. Like, if you've got, for example, a giant shark, just just don't go near it. Jellyfish <laughs> is going to reach. <laughs> I just true. That's just true. It's quite a random question. I don't know. <laughs> no, I like it. It's good logic, though. I wouldn't want to be. I don't like small jellyfish, so why would I want to be a big jellyfish around? That just that just that, right. no. That's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, is there anything that that worry you if it was giant and coming near you in some way? I would not want a giant Donald Trump. <laughs> that, would be, that would be horrific. Isn't that yeah, the one we, we have? Is bad enough. Yeah. It'd be Isn't big. The, John Trump, the film that we saw today. It would be bigly. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. I feel like a giant Jack in the Box would be pretty terrifying. Like it's like you know, it is like like a a, a large <laughs> box. Well, like a large well, box gets gets like deposited, like like War of the World style just comes out. It's like oh, there's a giant box there. What could be in that? And like it starts winding, and you're like, I, I think I know where this is going. And sure enough, it happens. You're like, yeah, I didn't want to see that, and there it is. Well, but with that, I thought you were talking about the burger guy. <laughs> oh, like Jack? a giant. Oh, like a giant Jack from Jack in the Box. This yeah. would be cool about it. I mean, Jack. Jack. Jack seems like a laid back dude when he's not stressing about his latest burger. Like, so you know, if he's just like, oh, there's Jack. Like, there he goes. <laughs> he's just walking around. He's really big. I feel like if you had a giant version of the toy, it would be okay as long as no one turned the handle, because you just kind of stay away from it. And in order to turn a handle, you'd need some kind of crane. Yeah, but haven't you or... seen like horror movies in general? No one's ever turning the handle. It just turns itself, which makes it creepier. <laughs> That, that's another layer. That's a giant. Read the Necronomicon. A live thing. <laughs> that's two layers. But, okay. Well, it's two. Okay. Yes. If I, if I premise where there's a giant Jack in the Box around, I'm, I'm not really worried about the second layer elements that we call the self turning. It's also going to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that would make it terrifying as well. We need to make it alive to be terrifying. Otherwise, it's just a giant static mm-hmm. puppet on a spring, <laughs> which isn't. It's just, you know that's fun. That's not terrifying. Okay, I accept your logic. Okay, <laughs> like it. Hey, did you want to come up with another question? Or are you good? Giant lobster. <laughs> oh well. Okay. Well, that yes. The giant now, now it comes back to eat you, and it butters you. Uh, but think if you can kill it, how much food? That'd, that'd be, be delicious. Yeah. That'd just be like <laughs> all all the people who are shipwrecked on Skull Island would just be living happy. Just put whole whole chunks of butter on top of it. Just exactly. That is until, you know, the giant jellyfish comes and kills you. There we go. We're not in virgin <laughs> worlds. This is too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't it's have a cinematic question. universe. 
Hey, this is how franchises work in Hollywood today. Exactly. That is true. Yeah. And you say today, uh, there's a little film called Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein that did this way <laughs> earlier. So. I need to see Abbott and Costello Meet the Giant Jellyfish. <laughs> That's a reboot right there. <laughs> All right. I think we've sufficiently done to answer this question. So, so well. with, with that, that in mind, with that in mind, that's how you play. No, everybody. Oh, All right, let's move on. Let's move on from that silliness. Let's get down. No piggies. Yep. Each week out now, we have a movie of the week that we talk about. But it was always a movie week. That was why I put it on the cookies. Tim, uh, feels a little slop this week. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I took two the, two little things there. I, I took the reins on it, but I, I okay. Yeah, okay. Abe, I believe you. You haven't been on for the past two. Well, you've been on. You were on for our Get Out show, but you hadn't seen Get I Out on Get yet. Out, and you were and I, you were in traffic last week during our Logan show. So That's right. while I know you might have seen other things, what did you think of those films that you did catch up on? Logan is a pretty solid movie, and I was surprised that that Fox was able to do something like that, which is kind of a sad thing to say. Um, primarily because you've seen the previous uh, Wolverine iterations, uh, standalone and the X-Men series, and those have been all very kind of all over the place, some of them better than others. I listened to your discussion about uh, favorite X-Men movies, and yeah, X2 is up there and Days of Future Past, uh, but I would agree that there's you know not a whole lot in X-Men or Apocalypse. That one was... Uh, is it Apocalypse? Yeah. yeah. I call it Trash X-Men. Fire. I call it X-Men Trash Fire. <laughs> yeah, that one where it just felt like it was kind of just, uh, you know, a, a big mesh of ideas where this one feels a little bit more contained and it felt very much more about just, uh, Wolverine, professor X and X 23. And that was the world that they lived in. I was glad that they didn't do any flashbacks, um, to any of uh, any other times. Uh, it was kind of like nice tongue in cheek with the comic book references. Uh, and there's a nice emotional core to it, uh, at, at a certain point. Uh, sure, it's it's uh, everything that you could see coming if you see if you watch a lot of movies. But it was nice just to see that there was much more restraint uh, given to the whole entire property itself. So I was glad that it, it was uh, it's the last ride for Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. But uh, yeah, it was it was a good way to go out. So I enjoyed it, and I, I definitely think it's a crowd pleaser. So that was Logan. And then I've been catching up on Bob's Burgers, and wait, wait, they just what, that, what about Get Out? Get Out was also really solid. So Get Out is, I think Aaron put it best when he said that it was is this like a, kind of like a psychological thriller, kind of akin to Rosemary's Baby type, where it's not so much like slashing and gore and and uh, and jump scares. It's more of like what is going on here in this world. Um, so it was it was well done, and the subtleties of the the way that Jordan Peele writes this, you know, racism slash uh, satire about how people are viewed today, uh, people of color are viewed today, it's it's really well done. And there's actually a lot of um, more nuance to it than I than I thought. And I kind of want to watch it a second time. I haven't seen it a second time, but there's way more that is probably there that I've missed out on um, that I'm sure the internet has covered. But uh, one of the best things about it was um, I was I was while I was watching the movie I was very curious about the milk and cereal thing, and after I read the explanation of it I was like oh I should have known I should have known, but it's it's you know subtle hints like that where it's it's very smartly written, and I also appreciated that nobody's really dumb in the movie 
Like nobody's doing any anything stupid. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's also a level of uh, of two character avatars, uh, one by the main character Chris, uh, and then his best friend is a Rod. Rod, yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's like these two avatars that you can kind of go with, where uh, one of them is is much more pragmatic, and the other one is is in the situation. But uh, I like the way that it resolves itself. Um, it could be open to more sequels, I guess. But uh, it was it was interesting just to watch uh, Jordan Peele's uh, directorial debut, and I think it's a solid movie. So uh, both movies were pretty good. So I missed I missed the good movie weeks, is what I'm saying. Well, it, I mean the the movies are both hits. Also, Logan uh, debuted number uh, or debuted big last week, and it's held on uh, to number two spot. No, thirty seven million. Get out is a real big hit where for our rated horror movie especially it's still it's still at number three made another 21 million dollars this weekend so it's over i think they made it for like 12 dollars too right yeah, yeah it's Bloomhouse, so it only yeah. cost like you know under five right. <laughs> so like it it's uh doing very well for jordan peele and his director yeah. debut but let's uh presume we move back to older things because i know robert you've been catching up on a lot of movies what uh what recent films have you uh, been able to see well, I've been watching uh, some of the early Clint Eastwood American films. I uh, saw Dirty Harry again mm-hmm. and uh, was, again, impressed by uh, the way it remakes the police genre. It really kind of takes the Western and moves from the present day and, uh, you know, the kind of iconic moments that Clint Eastwood crafted for himself in that film. And then I watched uh, Play Misty for Me, which was from That's the same year as Dirty Harry yeah. and was his first directorial debut and I'm really amazed at how much better a director Clint Eastwood has become because there is some terribly terrible terrible acting in Play Misty for me all around the whole board there's some but, there's some uh, big acting in that film but I think as a director it's one of my favorite of his like because it's such a mainly because it just feels so different from what I typify Clint Eastwood films as now like it feels it feels like a, a messy first film but it's still it's it's a thriller for one thing which I like I like seeing Clint Eastwood not necessarily losing his cool but he's certainly you know, he's more tense than I normally see him because he's he's not just like confident gunslinger. He's like, I'm just yeah, a random guy. He's not guy. in control in that movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Uh, but all, all the, you know, kind of misty-eyed wandering through the forest, making love in the waterfall stuff that you don't expect to see in a Clint Eastwood film. Yeah, you can really, really cut a, like 10 minutes out of that movie and not lose anything. Easily. Yeah. There's like a 30-minute segment in the middle that has nothing to do with the rest of the film. But it's it's filler because they didn't have enough of a story. Yeah, basically. But uh, no, I'm I'm impressed. You know the way he's crafting a public persona that he was going to rely on for much of the rest of his career, and and the way he's also insisting on using his star power to get the right to direct. But it's it's interesting that period of Universal Films, the guy in charge of production, not Lou Wasserman who ran the whole studio, mm-hmm. but the guy underneath him that was in charge of doing 20 to 30 movies a year on a fairly small budget, they had sold the rights to television and foreign rights, so they had a certain budget for every film that they could spend so they could experiment. And so letting Clint Eastwood direct, it was one of those moments where they could experiment, and there really isn't a machine for that in Hollywood today where a film studio could make 20 to 30 films and and would, would be guaranteed enough money from television and foreign sales that they could let directors and actors try different things. So I'm really impressed with the whole late 60s, early 70s period where directors are getting a chance to do different things that really we don't have that kind of freedom anymore. Well, that was that time, and you know this for sure. I mean, that was that time in the 60s, 70s where you have the new wave coming in. You have auteur theory really kind of taking hold, so you get a lot of experimental films that happen to also be hits. 
um, in their own ways, where you have those key directors like you know, or like Lucas Spielberg and everybody came from along with you know other notable figures as well. Like it, it's you don't yeah you don't you don't really get that today. You get you got something like I mean we were just talking about Get Out, which is that's where Universal they obviously have some big franchise films such as like the Fast and Furious franchise, but they also have they have Bloomhouse now where they can make something like Get yeah. Out or Split. You know both horror films both from both from you know, marketable names. You have M. Night Shyamalan. You have you have Jordan Peele, who's known for you know a very different Keen crowd. Peele. Yeah, right. But and but you give them a very limited budget, which is the Bloomhouse model, and let them do do what they can. And granted, the reviews work well or what have you, and you you make a hit out of that film. They've have. had giant returns. Yeah, and they and Universal's done. It's it's neat to see how Universal's done that over the like they have they've had a couple years where they have like very few franchisee type films and just a lot of original properties that are made on modest, modest budgets and they work for them. Like it's not nearly as nearly the same as the 60s, 70s where it's just, it's, you know, it's unprecedented at that time, but it's certainly, it's neat to see them try to cling on to what that could, how, how you can benefit from not relying solely on giant marketed movie machines. Well, actually, if you look at studio Hollywood, they did a lot of product where because they own the theaters, they could experiment and try mm -hmm. different things. And, they could do prestige projects. They didn't expect to make much money, but it yeah. would up their rating and rankings with other film studio heads. So oh, there was sure. a lot of yeah. a lot of experimentation under the studio period. People kind of forget that that was going on as well. Even I mean, it it's again, it seems it's less so now. But you have something like I don't know. You look at like Martin Scorsese's Silence from last year, which is not a movie that Paramount was being like, "We're here. We got this three hour." Uh, <laughs> very intense study in featuring uh, Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield. Like this is this is going to clearly make us three hundred million dollars. No, that's not what happened at all. The movie made like almost no money, but like they're still at a point where they can be like, okay, we can make like Star Trek and see what that does for us, and still kind of give someone like Scorsese the means to do whatever little movie he can do, just for the sake of the clout that would kind of bring to us. I think they hoped it would be an Academy Award winner, which it I, largely yeah, didn't was, turn It did get nominated for uh, got, you know, a couple things. It, it got cinematography, but yeah, it was. It, well, I think the problem was because it screened so late. Like he, he didn't he, he didn't finish it until you know very late on, and then by the time it was screening, it was the end of December. So it was like front of the show, Adam Aguilera or uh, Alan Aguilera. He's like, if I could revise my list, I'd, it'd be number one. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, there's did, no. Uh, yeah. Didn't didn't Scorsese announce his next? Movie is through Netflix. Yeah, Netflix picked up his next movie for a hundred million dollars. Uh, right, hundred mil. Hundred mil. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. Netflix got some cash. What did Netflix that's is dropping the, new the, stuff every week? Like they <laughs> they have the means to yeah. do whatever they want to. Apparently. So. That's the one with the the DH De Niro, isn't it? Yeah, they the, yeah they got DH De Niro. Yeah, they're gonna like DH De Niro in that one, and some, and Pacino's gonna be it, and supposedly Joe Pesci might be involved. But Joe Pesci's oh, pretty happy. That, okay, yeah, I have heard of that. Okay. Yeah, the Irishman, I believe, is the name of it. Yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if Joe Pesci's in, but he seems to be pretty content with just hanging out with his family in his vineyard. But uh, yeah, I, I doubt he'll be there. I'll be happy if he is, but I doubt. It. I thought he was in prison with uh, uh, Marv. <laughs> the sticky bandits yeah the sticky bandits the web bandits didn't work out so they became the sticky bandits what if that happened like joe pesci says like no to scorsese but he's like i'll come out for a reboot of home alone of daniel's can't danny stern no he's, he's oh. got he's, got, he's gonna play the dad in the reboot the john hurd character he's gonna play the yeah, granddad he's, he's old enough yeah, the, the dad yeah. <laughs> He'll put, on, he'll put on his uh, My Cousin Minnie wig, and he'll look young again. Oh, It'll be great. Oh, yes. If, he, if Joe weird. Pesci plays every character, 
<laughs> if, if they do a Polar Express with this, with the Homeland reboot, I am there day one. Yeah, Joe Pesci's like, attitude about mocap suits I'm sure is really like positive. Rock still, I'd, I'm down. I'd go see that. How do we get on this topic? Netflix. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back back to the show. Let's uh, Jay. What other films have you seen recently? Well, I saw Logan as well. Um, yep. I, I don't go to the cinema as much as I'd like, so Logan. Uh, I I enjoyed it. Um, I, I agree with what you were saying kind of last week that it's had. Uh, a lot of praise, but I don't think it's the best X-Men film, which a lot of people are saying. Um, I still put X2 and Days of Future Past and First Class above it. I, but I still really liked it. I liked the narrowed focus, the um, relationship they built between Logan and Charles. Patrick Stewart, uh, I know a lot of people are saying this, but he, does, he deserves a nomination for his role. He's you not mean get Sir one. Patrick Stewart? Aren't you required to say Patrick. Sir Patrick Stewart in England? Is that <laughs> See, in this country, we're all sirs. We're all good nice here in the UK. <laughs> oh, so, what? you know, it's nice for everyone. But... <laughs> like 85% of us are knighted. Uh, so, yes, Sir Patrick Stewart, my fellow knight of the realm, uh, <laughs> is fantastic and deserves a, a nomination. Probably won't get one because it's too early in the year. Same reason John Goodman didn't get one last year for 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was fantastic. And I, I enjoyed finally seeing a bloody Wolverine film and all of the slashes to various people's heads. Sir. You don't need it to make a good film, but it was appreciated. Yeah, you know, go out, go out, go out with a bang. That's what I say. Right? Yeah. Just really. If, if, if this is the end of Jackman and Stewart's roles or runs as their particular characters, then I'm fine with that. They've gone out on a high. As far as Until they have a reboot twenty years later, where you know, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. We'll yeah, sixty-year-old yeah, Hugh Jackman's like, yeah, let me do that insane workout that I hated doing for. No, 20 he, years. he's going to play Professor X. Yeah. Oh, they'll switch roles. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. I, I'm on board with that hey, one. If they could bring Harrison Ford back as Indiana Jones again, there yeah. yeah, I mean, there, there's a reason that Harrison Ford's not taking his shirt off in uh, Crystal Skull. I think. Uh, that's on no cookies. Yep. Actually, it's not because I didn't go. Um, oh, Aaron, what did you watch? Oh, it's a, hold on, let's back. All right, now it's my turn. So now it's my turn, friend. <laughs> so yeah, let's see. I saw a few things this week. Uh, I'll get to the movie last because I want to talk about these things, things first. One is that something I think Abe you've watched too because I know you're a fan of uh, comedian Pete Holmes. It's called Crashing on HBO. Yeah, I've seen every episode. Yeah, it's been there's been like three episodes three. at least so far. Yeah, this is uh, the new HBO series starring Pete Holmes, um, the comedian who it's basically a it's a retelling of his own life to an extent. It's semi autobiographical, where but it's set in, it's set in modern time where Pete Holmes before he became a more successful stand up comedian he was. He essentially he, he lost his wife and he had to be start crashing on various uh, in the, in the homes of various uh, comedians and that's yep. what this show is. The show is essentially him where like every week there'll be like a guest star where he crashes at their house and like goes on misadventures as a budding comedian in New York. And uh, I like Pete Holmes. He's he's he, and you Abe you've seen him in concert right? I've seen him yeah I've seen him in concert. In concert yeah you know he did his uh, acapella show. <laughs> yeah I've seen him live yeah I've seen him live. <laughs> I, him live. I, I've always enjoyed Pete Holmes. I listen to his podcast and. I think the third episode is probably the strongest one so yeah, far. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's a he's a very amiable presence. Like he's like he seems like such a like a nice guy. Like that's kind <laughs> of that. So like so like throwing him into the into like a situation with T.J. Miller, you know, really loud and the way he plays himself, especially too here. It's like it's <laughs> it's neat to see him kind of placed against people that are very different from his own personality. But, right. Uh, no, I'm digging the show quite a bit so far. Cool. I'm does glad to do, hear it. Yeah. Does he do his T.J. Miller impression on the T.J. Miller episode? Uh, I does wish. T.J. Miller do T.J. Miller, or does no, Pete, Pete, Pete Holmes do T.J. Miller? Pete Holmes doesn't him. do T.J. Miller, but T.J. Miller does like his own Pete Holmes' version of T.J. Miller. Ba- basically, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's more T.J. Miller's doing what Pete Holmes does about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's who he's playing. 
Um, I also want to mention The Americans because it's it's back. It's back. It's the show that I've continually said is one of the best on television. It is one of the best. And this is its penultimate season. It has this season, which is 13 episodes, and a final season next year, which is 10 episodes. And uh, just a good show to catch up on if you haven't already. I believe it's on Amazon Prime if you uh, haven't seen the show. Uh, I think like at least up to the last season. Yeah, they got all the seasons up to, yeah, up to now on there. But uh, no, it's a really solid show, really well done. And this the, the season premiere was this week. And once again, it's just like, yep, still good. So... Uh, <laughs> Certainly uh, one to catch up on. Um, the movie that I saw this week, in addition to uh, Kong Kong Skull Island, is uh, T2 Trudgment Day. I'm sorry, T2 Train Spotting. Trudgment Day? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that movie. But, uh, yeah, Train Spotting 2. Um, I, got, I got to go to the screening of that. I believe, Jay, have you seen Train Spotting 2 yet? I have, yes. It's been in Gone from our cinemas, but yeah. I, I have seen it, yes. Yeah, because it came out, like, what, in January or something like that? So. Yeah, yeah, late January. Yeah. Uh, it's been um, a, a real pain scheduling my podcast around. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm aware I, I will be on the uh, the Danny Boyle retrospective episode with you guys in the coming weeks, um, which I'm excited yes. for because I like Danny Boyle. But it's funny, and just to give a quick thought on this film, which I believe opens in theaters in America next week, um, it's uh, it's pretty – it's good. I, I, it's not as – I'm not gonna say transcendent is Train Spotting. I, I like Train Spotting quite a bit. Uh, it's probably my favorite Boyle film. I've had to think about it for a while, um, but it, but I, I like T2. Um, it um, it doesn't have. It's not as strong with like trying to send across a meaning. I think as the first film really wanted to go for. Like I feel like it could have done more with putting itself into today's times and really going beyond just a couple monologues from Ewan McGregor. That said, what I really like is that it feels very much like a Danny Boyle film like he's like his like older kind of like he's using his style and really applying it here and the seeing the actors coming back to these roles I think they do a good job as well I, I think uh McGregor and Johnny Lee Miller and Robert Carlyle and Ewan Bremner they're all like they these aren't necessarily like man these are the classic characters these guys play but just seeing them back in the shoes of these people that I do you know I've, I've known them from as far as where they're coming from it's it's really neat to see them back in those positions again yeah I I, I I agree. It's not as good as the first one, but it's it's just kind of nice catching up with these characters again. So you know, I wonder where they are twenty years on. Oh, yeah. that's did where it, they are. Didn't one that's guy nice. get his face eaten off by his cat? What? Oh, the, um, yeah, the yeah, the one character that died in the first Street Spotting. Yeah, there <laughs> he well, he died because of he, he was already dead. And he was already dead. Then just yes, he was alone at his house. And horrible. And the cat eats him. There. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I enjoyed Robert Carlyle's Begbie. It's, he's he's yes. probably my favorite character from the first film, and just he's the same. You know, he he's hasn't gotten better, hasn't gotten worse. He's still as enjoyably uh, crazy. Robert Carlyle. I was thinking about him watching this film the most because I, I really like. I think he's a very versatile actor, and that because yes. because it's like Train Spotting, where he plays like the worst person in the world. You go on to like the next year in the Full Monty, where he plays just a, such a nice guy, like who just wants to be with his kid. Like it's just so it's just like the the polar opposites of this of who this guy can do, and like I I generally think of him as a more genial presence, and now he comes back to this character again for T two, and it's like God, he's just so horrible the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, the um the scene where he and Renton are in the the bathroom, in the yeah, toilet, mm-hmm. is probably the highlight of the film. Just this practically wordless scene between the two of them. Yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's worth worth watching well, just for that. Yeah. All right, so that was on the quickies. Yeah, let's move on now. Let's get to our movie trailer talk. Where we talk about one of the movies, movies movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, and what have you. And this week, guys, we are talking <laughs> about the film Geostorm. Uh, Can't wait. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in a number of things before we get into the trailer talk here. 
Because so this movie has been delayed, I believe, like three times. I, I believe it was supposed to come out like this time last year. Um, then it got moved to the end of last year, and then it got moved again, and now it's moved to October of this year. Uh, and now, now I'm going to read the plot synopsis because it's amazing. <laughs> um, it stars Gerard Butler, by the way, as well as a number of others, including Ed Harris, uh, Andy Garcia, Jim Sturgis, and whoever else needed a paycheck this day. Um, but here, here, here's the premise of Geostorm because I can't get enough of it. In the near future, when climate-controlling satellites malfunction and release disaster-creating small pods all over the world, a man heads into space to prevent the satellites from programming the small pods into creating a storm of epic proportions or a geostorm, a storm composed of deadly natural disasters such as increasing huge tornadoes, colossal tsunamis, sudden release of fire whirls from the ground, fiery and scorching heat, dangerous falling of massive hailstones, and quickly happening polar vortices. In addition to this, there is also a plot to assassinate the president. That is all of the description. I did movie. not. I did not get that last point while watching oh. the trailer. No, they don't. They don't. They don't point out the fact that there's the president assassination plot also happening. But that is I very know, much that's a why part. Gerard of... Butler's in the movie. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's President Andy Garcia in this one. Who's is that really from, what it is? from Mayor of New York? Yeah. Uh, don't ever call me. Don't ever. Don't call, call me the Jaws Bear. <laughs> yes. yes, Andy Garcia plays President Palma. Um, and yeah, there's a plot to assassinate in the midst of a movie that already seems to have enough going on. We're like, we know what? We should have a president assassination plot also. <laughs> Making it much like... Robert, have you seen um, uh, Day of the Dolphin? Oh, yes. Yeah, I feel like that that's the movie I thought of when think, thinking about the premise for Geostorm. <laughs> the Day of the Dolphin involves training good. a dolphin to speak, I believe, and a president assassination plot. I, there's, a, there's a lot that of That can't be good. I have heard of that film. Okay. <laughs> Another movie <laughs> in a month. So, with all of this said... <laughs> Jay, thoughts on the trailer for Geostorm? It it looks like Sharknado, but instead of sharks, it's more weather. It's like Weathernado. <laughs> you generally uh, bleep out swearing in your shows, so I don't think I can express how terrible oh, do this it. film That's really song. looks. <laughs> but we're we're looks, uh, for Logan territory now. You can use R-rated words. Uh, it looks diabolical, mm. and, but I still really want to watch it. Um, <laughs> It's going to be one of those so bad it's good films, but it could also go down the day of the tomorrow route where it's kind of boring um, and should be far more entertaining than it ends up being. Like they've got a great cast, Ed Harris, isn't it? Ed Harris is always strong in his films. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mentioned Andy Garcia, Jim Sturgis, he's decent. Abby Cornish can be okay. I feel like if you had not announced that Gerard Butler was in this when you got to the end of the premise, people could have guessed that Gerard Butler was going to star in this. <laughs> It just feels like that's the direction his career has taken. He's becoming the Scottish Nicolas Cage. And oh, I'm surprised this is being released in cinemas and not going straight to Netflix or streaming. That's a great uh, yeah. way to regard uh, Gerard Butler about the Scottish Nicolas Cage. Because <laughs> he does, like, he's similar to Cage where he gives it his all, regardless of how ridiculous the property is. <laughs> yeah, I, nothing against the I guy. He just has terrible taste in films. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta yeah. get him a new agent. I will watch this film. I will not see this film in the cinema. I'm not going to pay money to see it, but I will eventually watch this on DVD and will. I can already feel my eyes rolling back in my head. <laughs> before I before I get to Abe, I, I will point out this movie was directed by Dean Devlin, who is generally the producer and co-writer on the films with um, Roland Emmerich, you know, of Independence Day and uh, the other Godzilla right, yeah. and other <laughs> Day After Tomorrow fame. 
Um, yeah, this is this is 2012, but instead of it being through the cause reversing, whatever's happening in 2012, it's the sky is attacking. You know, it's the same film. The world's being destroyed by weather. Yeah. Um, I should also note there were heavy reshoots done on this film, so something changed. <laughs> um, and uh, they brought Jerry Bruckheimer on board as well to help produce this thing. So it's like every popular like 90s action director producer has been involved in this movie for some reason. Um, and they got a, a lot of things going on. And uh, Abe, what did you think of this trailer for Geostorm? Well, when it first started uh, happening, I, w- I was confused as to what was going on because, yeah, sure, you see this massive field around the Earth and you see some satellites in space kind of be con- or, yeah, being destructed. Um, and then for whatever reason, the weather starts going crazy. So I didn't even actually know that they were uh, partially related to it until much later into the movie. But with that being said, I it reminds me of Richard Armitage's movie like th- three years ago. Oh, what? Into, um, into the Storm? I don't know. I didn't <laughs> yeah, watch in, it. Yeah, Into the Storm. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I guess that's what I'm talking about. I didn't watch it, but I saw the trailer for it before a movie we were watching. And much like what you said, it feels like a lot of those old disaster movies from the 90s and early 2000s um, where these things look cooler back in the day because uh, maybe it was an interesting premise or we were afraid of Y2K or whatever the case where we thought things were going to malfunction. But now it just feels a little bit more like it's going uh, a little bit too crazy because some of the things that I've been seeing on the screen where people instantaneously freeze while they're (laughs) sunbathing at the beach and then there's, I don't know, whatever else happens. It just feels a little bit too um, hokey for it to be like what uh, Jay was saying, a a theatrical release. So I, I do feel bad that it's been shelved for three years. Because if people – we've talked to enough movie makers and we know enough about the movie making process to know that movies aren't aren't easy to make and they take a lot of financial risk and they also um, go through a lot of uh, production. So it's kind of a bummer that it's been shelved for three years. But man, this movie doesn't look great and I don't even think I'm going to be on Jay's level where I'm going to watch it when it comes out on DVD. I'm probably just going to wait for him to review it for me. See, I, I'm a fan of disaster movies. So I, this looks yeah. like a disaster of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm looking forward to Neil deGrasse Tyson's takedown of the science in it, if nothing else. <laughs> I, I, I am certainly a fan of disaster movies. Um, this one has my interest, mainly because it's like, in addition to this, we're throwing in a president assassination plotline as well. <laughs> um, because why wouldn't that be amazing? But yes, I certainly am not beyond seeing how ridiculous and pretty awful this really looks. Um, well, the guy they brought in to do the reshoots... He is Danny Cannon, who oh, Danny directed Can- yeah. Judge Dredd, Judge and I Dredd still Danny know what he did last summer. So, good for them, is all I can say. <laughs> That's the best they could they could do. So this sounds like it has all the potential to be even worse than Twister, which is saying an enormous amount of badness. <laughs> okay, I I enjoy Twister. Don't put down Twister. <laughs> There's I'll plenty of the worst film I've ever seen in the movie theaters with other people. Set in the bar. Set in the bar low, then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Twisters. Fair oh. enough, though. But yes, do you, I, well, I mean, if, seriously, has there ever been a good movie about the weather? The weather, the man. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. And even part two. I mean, the, uh, it depends on what, where, I guess it depends on what we're talking about when it comes to weather. Um, <laughs> if you're talking about just images on the screen of typhoons and whatever else, then uh, yeah, sure, there have been some movies like that. But if you're talking about like you're in the thick of it, I don't 
Maybe. I, I haven't <laughs> seen The Day After Tomorrow, if that was any good. You haven't seen The Day After Tomorrow? It was pretty bad. It's pretty yeah, it's, bad. It's, I haven't seen 2016. 2012? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sunshine's a pretty good film about the weather. Or Volcano, or <laughs> San Andreas, or oh, San Andre- the Rains game, San Andre- and the remake of the Rains game. Hard Rain? Hard, hard Rain? <laughs> Another Andy Garcia movie? <laughs> when it, hard, no, no Andy Garcia in Hard Rain. That's Black Rain is what you're, yeah, Black with Michael Rain. Douglas, yes. yeah, that, which Michael. is not a weather movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Um, getting back to Geostorm, I hope it achieves something close to the core. Uh, a, oh, a, yes. a, a movie I do enjoy as far as kind of something that preserves the Irwin Allen disaster movie spirit and does its own thing with it as far as like fancy special effects and an ensemble cast. Um, I don't tend to expect things to be as goofy hilarity as movies like The Core, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> um, I'm still waiting for you to do a commentary of The Core. The Core? Well, that will happen in October for sure. Yeah, now. Like, I, will, I will be a guest on that show if you will have me. Okay, we'll make, cool. we'll make that work. <laughs> yes, the, right now, the, the, the Core has been one that's been on the list of commentaries to do for a while, so we just need an excuse. So Geostorm <laughs> will likely be that reason. Speaking of nice. which, Geostorm arrives in theaters on October 20th, 2017. Oh, there you go. Alright. Let's, um... Let's move on now, guys. Let's get to our main review for Kong, Poland, Skull Island. You knew that thing was out here? I'm sorry for your man, Colonel. But if you want to make their sacrifice worthwhile, get us home with proof. Monsters exist. Whoa, 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 whoa. Your friend there can put that down. What the hell is this place? That's Kong. He's king around here. Kong's pretty good king. Keeps himself mostly. Well, you don't go into someone's house and start dropping bombs unless you're picking a fight. Kong's god on the island, but the devils live below us. And what are they called? I call them skull crawlers. Why? Never said that name out loud before. It sounds stupid now that I say. Just you call him whatever you want. That should have been some of the trailer for Kong: Colton, Skull Island. The classic movie monster King Kong first appeared on movie screens back in 1933. Since then, there have been multiple films based on and inspired by Kong. Most notably, we had the 70s remake with Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange, along with Peter Jackson's epic retelling from 2005. Now we have Kong: Skull Island, a film that delves into the world that Kong comes from by way of 1970s post-Vietnam adventure story. Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, and John Goodman, and Samuel L. Jackson lead a large ensemble cast of explorers and soldiers who make their way to Skull Island looking to prove the existence of giant monsters. They get more than they bargained for upon discovering a 100-foot gorilla, wild monster, lizard monsters, and a wacky and very bearded John C. Riley. With various story elements that connect this Kong to the new Godzilla universe, this should clearly be a, be a, a monster of, of a certain time. Um, Jay... Is this Kong a Return of the King? Uh, no. <laughs> I I enjoyed it. Um, I had a lot of fun with it at the time, but thinking back on it, I, I've found more problems with it than I would have liked. It's still, I think, a, a great film, um, but it's not. Well, it's it's a good place to start the new fr- the new franchise from. I'd say um, the building. Uh, it's it's just got, it's got too many characters. It's got too, too much is trying to do, and 
If you think of the the 2005 film, I know that you're a fan of as well, Aaron. Yep. Uh, that had maybe half as many characters as this, but it's an hour longer. And I've never felt that film feels old. It feels long, even, sorry. And this one is is too short for what it's trying to do with all these characters. And it just, they felt crammed in. And they were trying to do too much with it. But still, all the all the Kong stuff and the beasts and the animals and the things trying to kill them. I loved all of that. I loved all the action. I just felt they were trying to build too many relationships around it. So, Kong stuff, good. Man stuff, bad. <laughs> <laughs> Robert. I know you've spent some time with the, the King Kong character over the years. What did, where, where, where are you with Kong in general, and what do you think of this film? Well, I think King Kong is always, is this mythic uh, character, in it. and they're, they're obviously the original film is an American classic, and it, it still hasn't been matched in any way by any of the sequels or the remakes or the use of the character. There's just something about that original film, even with the way that special effects they look somewhat awkward and... and not as you know fluid as the ones today, but there's a a charm and a and a power in that original film and in that original little puppet they use the little stop motion animation puppet uh, that's never been matched by any kind of CGI. Although this new film has got some pretty phenomenal CGI, right down to the drool and the spit coming off of Kong's mouth, which was a nice little touch that uh, really added. I don't know for some reason I I noticed that that they'd never really gotten to that level of detail before. But the original Kong film is it's Beauty and the Beast. There's there's a fairy tale quality to it that none of the sequels have ever managed to to reach or to come close to. And obviously there's there's all kinds of ways of reading that original film, particularly in terms of some of the racist depictions of the natives or even of Kong himself uh, as possibly being a, an image for the black man in America coming after a white woman, and so all the other white men have to go and rescue the white woman from the big black guy that wants to have her but it's there have been it's a powerful character we love big gorillas uh we always have and if you talk to anybody who knows anything about 50s and 60s dc comics for some reason putting a giant gorilla on any of their comics uh covers led to better sales so all of the (laughs) writers and artists wanted their their editors wanted their comic books to have giant gorillas that meant more sales and so Julie Schwartz, who was the editor at the time, had to limit them only one per month, one title per month, and have a giant gorilla on the cover. But I do, I do think the new film is far better than the 76 film, which is an abomination. Uh, and it's, it's, I, I actually like it better than the, the Peter Jackson one in some ways, because the Peter Jackson one, I have serious problems with the casting. I can't watch that film and say, hey, look, it's Jack Black, instead of saying, hey, look, it's Carl Denham. And I do think Adrian Brody was a bad casting choice for the uh, Bruce Cabot character. Uh, although I want you to get the, uh, the Kong and the girl off by themselves. It works pretty well. And the, I have to say that the fight scene between Kong and the Tyrannosaurus Rexes in, in the uh, Peter Jackson film is pretty amazing and far better, I think, than any of the fights in this current one. Yes. But uh, I, as a whole film, I enjoyed it. I, I thought the early 70s... Uh, Choice was an odd one, but it worked, and the film the film made a great deal of use of the music of the period, which was you know a kicker for everybody in the audience. Um, it had a sense of humor to it that some of the other Kong films haven't, and uh, uh, Riley is just wonderful. And uh, the, the, the the I don't know about you guys seeing it live, but the uh, audience's biggest laugh was the opening line from John Goodman 
when it's the Nixon Watergate thing and yeah. the guy, he says, there'll never be a worse time in, in Washington ever again. And everybody in the audience laughed because hello, Trump. So, yeah. <laughs> Abe, I don't quite know your thoughts on King Kong in general. What, what, where are you with Kong and what do you think of this film? Uh, I, as I've mentioned on the podcast in the past, sometimes before, uh, my first exposure was King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. And everyone's like, what is that? And I was like, no, it's an amazing movie about King Kong versus Godzilla. I've never said, what Japan. is that? I know what King Kong versus Godzilla is. <laughs> and so, uh, I have seen some of the Kong films since, and I'm all right with King Kong. I, I certainly can understand like what Robert was saying, the whole entire parallels with society um, and uh, all that stuff. But as far as Kong goes, I'm all right with him. And uh, as far as Kong Skull Island goes, I'm all right with it. Like, Kong is all right. I mean, there are some amazing shots, um, and the CG and the art are, are fairly very good. I mean, almost incredible. Um, cinematography is well done too, but there's issues that, uh, that I'll get to. Um, I agree with, uh, Jay that there's just way too many characters in here. Um, and they, they're quickly reduced, but even with the reduction, there's still a lot of characters that don't really get any exploration. Um, you know, kind of just thinking off the bat here, uh, you got Sam Jackson, Tom Middleton, uh, Brie Larson, Dr. Dre, Easy E. Uh, Corey Hawkins and Jason Mitchell, yes. Yeah, Corey Hawkins, Jason Mitchell. Some Asian woman that shows up for no real reason. Uh, John Goodman, Lando Calrissian is in this movie. Um, Sh- uh, Shay where, where is Lando Calrissian in this movie? He, he's played by uh, the guy who was in uh, Steve Jobs. He's the he's the uh, he's the uh, John Ortiz. There you go. He looks like Lando Calrissian with the mustache and the blue. Um, never, never put that together at all. <laughs> don't worry. Uh, Shea Wingham, uh, Thomas Mann, John C. Riley, and and our our good friend Toby Kebbell is in this movie. So yep, yep. there's a lot of people that that uh, are still. That's af- that's after like half the platoon gets destroyed by King Kong. Or by oh, yeah, Kong. they 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 kill the cast down to those listed in the opening credits. So yeah, and it's still a lot. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, and some of the characters are, are fond of tropes. Uh, you know, for example, like Tom Hiddleston is is like this rough, rough, roughed up ex spy who now just gambles his way in Vietnam. Um, but the story is lacking. You know, there's like this. There's a colonel with a lot of pride and ego and wants to avenge his fallen soldiers. Um, and then his soldiers who finally who follow him blindly, but then they have the, this crimson tide esque moment of mutiny. Uh, which is supposed to be, uh, you know, high intention, but it kind of fails. Uh, John C. Riley's character has like the opening sequence, and then he comes up later, and I think that his is the best storyline. Um, you know, there's like this weird, awkward tension between Brie, Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston. Uh, but worst of all, there's there's not a lot of con time except when you're seeing exposition from characters talking about him on the island, um, and then you'll see like, for example, like John C. is talking about him, and then you they'll cut to King Kong kind of just doing things that John C. Reilly is talking about. And it kind of sucks that you get a sense that Kong is secondary to these human characters because it's his movie. It's his island, uh, which is kind of unfortunate that he's not, you know, the center of the show. Um, and as far as like some of the cinematography I was talking about, some of the fight scenes I didn't really like as much because they're, they're shot in like slow motion and they're kind of not fun to watch. Um, and it's like, why would, why would, even as a human being, you know, as, you know, maybe like two meters tall and uh, somebody who's in the movie, why would 
you see this giant ape fighting this giant lizard in slow motion kind of thing. It's like, why don't just make it normal? Like, I, I think that I would appreciate much more of that than like the slow water drip, dripping off of his uh, mouth. And I can't agree us. with you. I can't let this go on where you're saying right. things. <laughs> <laughs> <Leave it to laughs> that. But you know, Skull Island is, I think Skull Island gets explored and I like that. Uh, but overall, I kind of feel like it's a case of style over substance uh, in this movie. It's exactly style over substance, and that's why I love this movie. Like, it's doing exactly you what. Loved I, it? Yes, I, I love this movie. I, I saw. I've seen it twice now. I, I, I love this movie. Okay, I'm excited to see it again. It, oh my gosh. I am a I am a huge Kong fan. I, I apparently it, besides that '70s version, which I really just can't get into. Yeah. Uh, every time I try to watch it, like it's like, yeah, it's still not great. Uh, even Charles Grodin. Uh, it, but I think in it's general, true on Amazon Prime, by the in way. In general, yeah. The, in general, the, I, li- I really like the Kong movies. I, I, the 33 movie is a classic. It's one of my favorite movies. The Peter Jackson movie is one of my favorite movies. I, I absolutely love that movie. I think it's a, a terrific, just all-around great blockbuster experience that just delivers in all means. I don't Like Jay, I don't think it feels long by any means. It's what it's supposed to be. It's this epic. And it's, in my opinion, I think it's Peter Jackson's best film. This film doesn't quite nail that, you know, kind of degree because it's a different type of movie. That was this like romantic epic essentially. This is more of a a, a pulp fiction war movie. It feels like it's ripped out of a comic book, except there's no comic book. Like, and it works for that reason for me. I think the the visuals are tremendous in this film. The which is what it's going for. You have a Larry Fong as a cinematographer here who's worked on Zack Snyder's previous films as well as some of J.J. Abrams' films, and he has come, become what I think is a go-to March blockbuster director uh, cinematographer because he does an amazing <laughs> job with this with making vibrant daylight visuals instead of like something like the '90s Godzilla where everything's shrouded in darkness and rain. You have a movie that's bright and poppy and wants to show you how good everything looks, and it has this great sense of um, imagery throughout where you have uh, the use of like sun-drenched island and fire and what have you, where it's all clear as day to me. And you look at, like, the action, the action of this movie, I think, is amazing. Watching Kong whirl around, whether it be lizard monsters or giant octopi, it's just like, this is so much of, like, what if you're going to make a movie about Skull Island, and you're going to make another Kong movie, since there's been so, like, I'm happy to see this kind of angle on it, something that's different. I don't need to see another version of the Kong I've seen, but if I'm going to see, you know, new creatures I've never seen before that are really surprising to me, then yeah, that's all, I'm all about that. I don't mind the use of the, the the amount of time I'm spent with Kong because I know I'm, every Kong movie has only so much time spent. Any monster movie in general has only so much time spent with the monster. What matters is making it count. And I think it does. Every time Kong's on screen, I love that amount of time. Like, it does a great use. It has a great use of him and his role in this film. I love as a an island protector where he's there to... His his whole role is to stave off the deadly monsters, keep the, the rest of the island safe from them. And so you introduce this human element where they're coming in to be like, we just want to find monsters, because why not? And he's like, get out of my island, jerks. And he's just like, that's, that's, his, that's his like problem. So he's going to take yeah. out like all these people. And that's why I don't mind the human cast, because that's the role they serve. They serve they serve as it's like, oh, we're here to check things out. So we're like, there's like a bunch of different windows into what this movie wants to show you. And I'm not expecting to get deep characterization from them. What I, I, I do like that you have John C. Riley, who's the heart of this movie, who gets a terrific arc in it and is also just terrific in general in this movie. He's funny. He's warm. He's exciting to watch. He's, he captures my attention every time he's around and Kong's not. And the same with Samuel L. Jackson, who becomes the villain. He becomes this Captain Ahab type character who come, becomes obsessed with Kong based off his own feelings about the Vietnam War, which I think provides a terrific backdrop for this movie. Like there's, I'm, I'm not going to argue that, that um, 
Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson could have been used better because they're, you know, actors certainly capable of more. But for the roles that they're serving, I don't know if I'd want like 10 minutes more of this movie just so I can flesh out characters I already get. Like, it's like, all right, yeah, he's a roguish British guy and she's a photographer. Like, okay, that's fine. You have the same with all the other ones, John Goodman. whatnot. Like, what I like is that they're it's mostly a lot of quirky character actors that are doing what I expect of them in quirky character roles, right? Like it could just be random red shirt that I know nothing about, or it could be Shea Wiggum doing something that feels like very Shea Wiggum. Like, and I just, I appreciated all of the, the, the amount of like kind of thanklessness that goes into these roles, but ultimately didn't matter to me as far as the, the depth of those characters, which I could say about any number of Kong movies. Like I, I Robert, you're mentioning, uh, uh, the, you know the Carl Denham character or the Jack Driscoll, um, Bruce Abbott. Like they're, they're. It's not like I watch King Kong and think, man, the, the, those actors really lent like, like this something that made it overwhelming for me as far as seeing both a terrific display of the latest and greatest effects of that time and terrific acting. Like it, it's more of like, okay, they're here to service the story, but I don't. I'm not too focused on what they're adding to it beyond like, okay, here's the exposition and some general excitement from seeing these characters kind of build up this whatever we're going to encounter but once we encounter what we're encountering i'm excited about that and that's what this movie did for me it's not as it's not an instant classic in the same way that the, that, that kong was and for me the peter jackson one was but it's certainly a, a, a very grand adventure movie that i really enjoyed well i mean if you look back at the original film robert armstrong the carl denham actor mm-hmm. uh was really fun to watch he was and, they, and i yeah so much fun that they made a sequel largely to give him another story with Son of Kong, which is charming if minor, but it's really Robert Armstrong's movie and his chance to kind of have, you know, a life for himself, as it were, with a girl. But uh, none of these actresses have ever really outdone Faye Ray in terms of their iconic quality, even if pretty much all she ever does is scream. But uh, she I was the Naomi first Watts screamer. is pretty terrific in the Peter Jackson yeah. version. Like, she has a full Yeah, she, she is. She's quite good. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and but, as far uh, as as far as Robert Archer, I think John C. Riley takes up that kind of mantle for this movie. Yes, definitely. But then the Bruce Cabot part, the Adrian Brody part, that was just you know he's just the guy that chases her. He's just the guy that chases Kong. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, you know, you do have a better sense that that the Tom Hiddleston character, and you can see from the end of the film, there is an intention that those characters are going to continue in the next film, which, if I'm not mistaken, is. King Kong versus Godzilla. Well, the next, right. the, yeah, the next film is the next film was a sequel to Godzilla. Then after that is a King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh-huh. <laughs> Twenty Twenty. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But Tom Hiddleston's character is clearly intended to be the main character with Brie Larson in that film. At least that's where the the end little cutscene after the credits. So, yeah, scene certainly keeping them keeping them involved in things as things move forward. Depending on what I guess time frame they set these movies. Since this is seventies, that Godzilla was modern so it's like will there be an in-between movie or something but uh yeah. maybe godzilla age them up <laughs> for the next one we're gonna get a uh, 50 or 60 year old hiddleston and brie larson in the next film let's be honest tom hiddleston will probably look the same <laughs> <laughs> he is a robot yes uh, i see I, I felt like tom i don't mind that the characters didn't impact the plot as much as they perhaps could have done uh it's that they they put such high caliber actors in those roles and and wasted them like tom hiddleston his character could be played by pretty much anyone there was very little to him gerard butler could have played him quite possibly yes <laughs> uh, and same with brie larson she brought a little bit more to it i like the fact that her character seemed to be like enjoying the whole experience and was always happy it's nice to see brie larson smile for a change 
Uh, but <laughs> I think so like Shea Wiggum and, and John Goodman and all these other actors, I, I love the cast of this film. I went to see this because of the cast more than anything else. Toby, I love Toby Kevill. They got the, the actors I really like, they could do so much, but they got so little to actually do that when they when some of the characters died, I felt so little for them. The only emotion I felt, felt for them was for the actor rather than the character. It's like, oh, I'm yeah. not going to get to see that actor that I like anymore. That's a shame. What was like, his character's name again? Doesn't matter. Because they've got to do so because they're, so, they're spreading themselves so thin across the dozen or so characters in the cast. Yeah. Like, especially the, the nameless grunts of the, the army. They were just kind of merged into one. But know? that's and that's their purpose. See, like they're, they're, it doesn't bother me. Like it doesn't get to me. I don't know. Where... Maybe like see, I would I would disagree with you on, on not on uh, all levels because I because uh, you bear some good points, but on the levels of like, well, you know, uh, some of these characters come up and they're they're not supposed to be uh, the center and focus, and it's totally fine the way that they are. It's like no, I agree with with Jay. It's like then don't bring like twelve characters or twelve people on board. Uh, five of them that you uh, are like A-list celebs, and it's like, don't do that then, because otherwise you're you're really just wasting a lot of talent. Because I didn't really care for what was going on. I didn't even care for Sam Jackson's Colonel Packard to go and uh, get his like war uh, war itch scratched. It's like I don't really care for any of these people, and the reason why is because I have no reason to care for these people. Like I understand that the Vietnam War was ending. And then he was like, okay, well, you know, I'm a war dog and we didn't lose the war. We're abandoning it, which I thought was a good line. Um, but I, I kind of had no, no real sense of like, wow, this guy is like such a hard nosed colonel that like, you know, he's going to go do anything for his guys. Like, I don't give a shit about that. Like, you didn't really give me enough to, uh, to go on a King Kong versus Colonel Packard storyline. What I did like I did was, get that though. Was, like I got like it sets that up so early as far as like how annoyed he is that he does he has he has nothing to do now that this war has ended and he's in he has like this he's in this place where it's like well what do I do now like I got all these medals I'm like this great you know uh, war guy I've done this stuff and now what okay there's this new thing there's a new mission I can do what happened I lost a lot of people that didn't need to die because I wasn't given information so now I want to go after that thing like yeah I like the it's abridged. I can understand that, but like for this for this movie, like I, it, it's only going to go so far with this yeah. cast, like with what these characters are able to establish within a certain amount of time. And I'd much rather than get like an hour of backstory for you know this whole cast. I'm, so I'm happy. I, yeah, some I mean, I, I agree here. that I don't need an extra hour of backstory. But the person who did, I thought, did bring enough to the story. Uh, the storyline was uh, Shea Wingham, uh, who has the whole entire line of like, hey, you know, you actually. Uh, I took this rifle off of this guy, and it's like he was just a farmer. And you know, sometimes the enemy isn't really an enemy until you go looking for one, which I thought was a, a good line because uh, it kind of sets up the whole entire setup of Kong Skull Island. But again, soldiers they kind of get dispersed, and yeah, some of them are are offed. And I kind of felt bad because some of them I, I like as actors. I was like, oh well, he's actually doing a pretty good job in this movie, whereas you know nobody's really going to see his other movies, and unfortunately. Uh, his screen time is very limited but I just I, I couldn't really I, I can't get on board with you with some of the, the uh, actors uh, some of the, char- the number of characters and, and their backstory what's the so inverse we'll, though like how do you correct this problem I haven't seen 2005 Kong, King Kong in a while and I know there are a lot of characters in that too and I just I, I'm not sure because again with King Kong in general I'm just alright with it 
So I don't know what you do to correct it. Well, but I don't, I don't know what you're asking for. Like, I don't, when, uh, when it comes to these kind of characters, I'm not, like, I'm not the one making a movie. I, okay, I, I think, yeah, I think but you I, yeah. could correct it. If the, I think one of the problems here is is they they follow three groups of of individuals. You have mm-hmm. uh, kind of Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson's group who are trying to get off the island. You have Sam Jackson's group who are trying to get Kong and meet up with Toby Kevill. And so you're flitting between these three areas. If you get rid of the separation and just bring them all together. Then perhaps having this number of characters, maybe reduce it by a couple more, say merge together Shea Wiggum and Toby Kebbell's characters, that kind of thing, then it might you'd have more time with the whole group. And I don't think you need to have this group over here, this group over here, that guy over there waiting. Which they eventually do, though. They bring them all well. together. Like, yeah, like eventually, the, the, but, but they split up right away. Well. I mean, if you think about it from a Predator standpoint, and I know that for the first Predator, they were all U.S. soldiers, but in Predators, the one with, uh, again, with uh, Adrian Brody. <laughs> yeah, Academy Award winner Adrian Brody. Those were all disparate people, although they had the underlying fact that, yeah, they were all like murderers or whatever the case. Um, those are all separate people from all parts of the world that were placed into uh, Predator Island, and uh, they kind of have to, to to work together to resolve uh, how to get out of it and how to escape these uh, these predators. So it can be done, and I'm not saying that Predators is the best example. It's just the first one that came to mind of disparate people that come together on an island, uh, an unknown place, unknown location, with uh, with uh, uh, somebody who's hunting you or possibly. Uh, endangering your life so it can be done it's just that i, I agree with jay that there's there's you know these these groups of people that kind of spend a lot of time off of uh camera uh, or i'm sorry off of uh, uh away from the group um throughout the entire movie and when they do come together it's for a very short period of time and while i liked it it was uh, is not very um it didn't really heal some of the the holes that i had in my head of of what's going on with the storyline and these characters. Cause even with Sam Jackson, uh, his, his story arc doesn't really go that far, which is unfortunate. You know, like he has like this cool little, um, mono mono scene, but you know, who's going to, you know, you know, who's going to, what, win. I, what I'm not, I guess what I'm not getting is that I don't know why there's so much reliance on who these characters are. Like, I like, all right, you brought a cast here. That's great. Let me, it's a great way to show me all this other stuff that I get to see. And I really like I that like other stuff. Island. What? I like Skull Island, you know, which the is what I feel of. like I got a lot of. I got crazy spider sequences and all, and yes. weird yeah, lizard monsters legs. in a in a <laughs> graveyard of skeleton stuff, like in an action scene I haven't seen before. Like I, that stuff I appreciated way more than like, all right, you got a great cast here. That's nice. That means I don't have to worry too much about who these people are because I already know this cast, so I'm good. Like I don't. Mm, have to I, I, that's where I would disagree with you. And why? Like, yeah, you have you have a good cast here. I do want to know who they are then. Otherwise, just give me some some uh, side characters. I don't so much mind Jason Mitchell and Corey Hawkins are up and comers, but yeah, I mean, don't give me like a uh, uh, Brie Larson or Tom Hiddleston. I mean, the Sam Jackson character I understand, uh, but yeah, I mean, give me more like folks like Thomas Mann. You know, it's like where I'm and that's why there are there are a lot more of those folks than there are Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson. It's full of character actors. Uh, I would disagree. Well, I... I think what the issue here is is Aaron's compared it to a Pulp Fiction into a comic book. And so he went just expecting an adventure, uh-huh. and with with those kinds of stories, and in a lot of, of popular fiction, the plot drives the characters. And I can't tell you how many novels or movies I watch where it's like, okay, the only reason that character is doing that because the plot requires that he does that. And then you look at other films where the characters are driving the plot. And speaking of the writers, try to fiction, 
there are moments where the characters take over, and those tend to be the more interesting stories. Whereas if you're you've got a plot already figured out, you have to force the character to try to do the stuff to let you do the plot. I think it comes down to the screenplay and what I've been thinking all night about George R. R. Martin syndrome, where essentially characters exist to die. And he's willing to kill off major characters, which movies have been doing off and on for a while now. You look back at Psycho, nobody Mm -hmm. expected Janet Lee to die. It was genuinely shocking when a star of Her Majesty was killed off so early in that film. Nobody expected it. And isn't Samuel Jackson famous for dying unexpectedly in his movies? Uh, Deep Blue Sea set a big precedence for... (laughs) But there's some Jaws film where a major character gets killed off 10, 15 minutes in, a major actor got killed off, and everybody was surprised when that happened. And I think that's what's going on, is that my problem with the film is that they're killing off characters because they have to kill off characters. Because that's it's to show that that's why they have to have so many at the beginning, because you're not going to have that many at the end. I'm actually surprised as many survived as they did. <laughs> because in the original film, the original King Kong, there's an awful lot of people who die off, but the main characters don't die at all. Mm. And I think that when you're watching this film, there are moments where you're like, I just don't know where this character is going to end up other than dead. You just keep expecting him to die because he's so two-dimensional that there's really nothing else going on there that makes me want him to live because he's they're only going so far. I love John Goodman's character. I really didn't expect him to die because I thought they were going to keep him pushing the monsters exist thing or they were, we were going to get more of his backstory or he was going to be using the next film. Well, doesn't that but make I that, do that think... doesn't that make that exciting then for me for you? Like if you have characters that you're there's not enough to them, so you don't know which ones are going to live and which ones are going to die. Well, I assume that the better written characters are going to survive. And I Daniel Jackson, it's the Captain Ahab thing from day one. So you know he's going to die. It's just it's just obvious that's where he's headed with it. But uh, you know, I, the main character in this film should be Kong, and I think that as Kong as that character. He's actually got an interesting role to play. He doesn't have the same level of, of excitement I have with the original King Kong or with even Peter Jackson's King Kong. But the idea of an old grizzled veteran who's got to keep fighting this battle, in that sense, yeah, he's kind of the same thing as Jackson's character because that's another old grizzled veteran that just keeps fighting a war because what else is he supposed to do with his life? Yeah, you know, there, that's, there is that which, which, there. again is why I like, things that I like about both the Sam Jackson character and the use of Kong. I think they they make them. This, there's a weird dynamic between them, which is why they keep cutting back between their eyes in close-up, which I, I thought was it's fun in its own way. Like, and and you, I mean, you bring the, up the I fact mean, that I like it for being Pulp Fiction. That's what it feels like. It just feels like a very pulpy story. It's not one that has has nearly as much semblance as the the other Kong films. But those are they're different well, types of movies. And the movie you're the movie you're you describing, where you, where you have characters all together the entire. I've seen that movie a lot of times. I like that this is something different. Yeah, so I agree with you that it is pulpy and it good it does go for that, but it also it kind of it kind of borders on like pulpy into this like this serious movie and that part I didn't like that meshing of those worlds because it, as pulpy as it is with these characters kind of going onto the skull and, and meeting all these like giant spiders which I thought, which I thought was cool and, and like, having giant fun. tree tree uh, or like wood stick creature things yeah. and giant octopi in, in the rivers which I thought was really cool too. Um you kind of border on like this, yeah, like we had mentioned this Captain Ahab type character of like he's so he's so destined to go and and 
conquer this creature because man is king. It's like, I don't know. I mean, that's not pulpy to me. That's kind of that just is more pulp. like... That is pulp. Pulp isn't like just like having guy. a blast the whole time. You, that's that's called making a movie. You need to have some kind of drama. I don't know. We're going to have to disagree on that. This is no, like I'm, I'm, four all over again. I'm falling down on Aaron's side about this aspect. I, I my, my only problem is the kind of the too many characters. Everything else I really did enjoy this film. Like all the action stuff, all the all the monsters. The the spider scene is fantastic. I did not see that coming. Just these these legs like bamboo shoots. Yeah. Like that's a terrific scene that just comes out of nowhere. Um, and it's uh, 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 Robert, I, you, I agree with what you're saying about some of the character decisions seem like they were made so the character so the character would do that rather than being natural for the character. Like I'm I'm shocked that Mark Evan Jackson as Landsat Steve is credited that he survived as long as he did. <laughs> <laughs> that's his credit in the film. Is that his, is um, that his name? Yep, Landsat Steve, because he's Steve who works for Landsat. Um, I, I, he made a decision near the end where he could have gone with the group who were going to try and get off the island, or go with the soldiers he's been with this whole time and felt like an outsider. And he decides to carry on with the soldiers, and I was like, "What are you doing? Why?" And that made no sense to me. And he, he's a guy I like because he's in Brooklyn Nine Nine, and he's a regular guest on Spontaneous Nation. Well, see, and you, men- you mentioned a character like that. By the way, Spontaneous Nation, good podcast. Uh, you, mentioned the, you mentioned the character, like, and that's why why I don't mind like the you know casting various roles. Like, I, I I'm not beyond understanding the full product that there's problems with characters. Like, it's not a perfect movie by any means. But as far as what it's trying to achieve, that's why you have someone like Mark Evan Jackson cast in a nothing role because he gives it something. He gives he puts something there where it could just be like a random red shirt who you've never seen before. It's just an extra, but you get like a, some quirky guy like that, and it's like, all right, I don't need to know anything about this person, but he has the occasional line and he's has the semblance of someone I recognize. So I I don't when you say I, you don't care about these people when they die, I don't buy into I don't get that for me. That doesn't make sense to me. Where it's like sure, I don't want sure. I don't want people to get eaten by giant gorillas, and I, I don't not feel bad just because I don't know their life story. Like, I just saw a guy get eaten by a giant gorilla or get stomped well, on. I mean, that here, makes here's, me feel bad. Uh, like, <laughs> so I, I, you're, you're right that I don't feel bad because that's kind of the, the how these movies should go anyway, right? But, I mean, when the character falls into a trope, it's because, like, well, that guy's going to be off. I mean, this guy's, like, writing letters to his son, and it's like, oh, man, we're going to go home <laughs> right now. It's like, no, you're not, buddy. I'm sorry, yeah. but you're going to be the one that's going to be gone. Uh, I like that motif, kind of, by the way. They kept singing "Dear Billy" and making up like new stuff. I like that. I like. There's <laughs> all I can things. think of was McBain and just you know. But you know the, what? On his, on his boat to live forever. Robert, you know what? In that film last night, when I saw it last night with a fairly large crowd, his death was the only one that anybody seemed to care about. Yeah. The only one that everybody. Yeah, his his is the only one that I cared about too. Because, because they kept making the Dear Billy reference, and he was on it. Like they they make him seem vulnerable. Like they. It, it, well, I, I I genuinely thought that he was gonna be one of the characters that was gonna last, which I think is the fun part of the movie of like, well, who is gonna last? But like what someone had mentioned earlier, there's a, there's too many people there that are still left over. Yeah, because they they seem to be leaning really into, seem like he's going to die any second now with the whole Dibbity thing. You think, uh, okay, this is a this is a bluff. They th- you make you think he's going to die, but he'll actually get through the whole thing and be the hero in the end. Yeah, I actually, so you, you know, yeah. and some, to the pulp factor of it, I, mean, I like the way that some people are off too. I mean, there's this one guy who's like, "You guys go ahead, I'm going to defend you guys." Uh, he's got all these grenades, and all of a sudden, like the the tail just whips him. It's like, well, that was a waste. <laughs> yeah, it, and that was fun. <laughs> it has fun yeah. with it. Like, and that's, I mean, yes, I'm I, my but, perspective is that the pulp fiction aspect of this film, the fact that it's. A, a gloriously over-the-top adventure movie. Sure. I respond to that more than the idea of having 
whoever was cast, like whoever is in this cast to be. It didn't. What didn't hurt was that the people that are in this cast, I like them, and the ones sure. that are supposed to stick out really stuck out to me. John C. Riley is amazing in this movie. John Goodman, yes. I think, be, you know, he's in the more of the first half of the movie, but he's John Goodman, and I really like John Goodman, and he does John Goodman stuff in the first half of this movie. Yeah, he just he just got a star on the Walk of Fame. So, yeah, he did. With Jeff yeah. Bridges dressing up as the dude, dressing to ring as his the dude, yeah. giving the speech at the end of the movie. Sam Jackson does Sam Jackson. Like, there's the, there's the things here. Sure. Involving the characters, which is not as important to me for this kind of movie. No, I, for I, me. <laughs> so I totally get that. But again, I guess my example, and and you know, I think I'm I'm running in circles here, uh, which is not a good thing. But you know, my example of that guy who with all the grenades at the end, like I like the way that that presented itself and the way that it ended. But that really bordered on being too dramatic and too serious. Uh, as versus like too pulpy whereas like i understood that it was fun and it's like uh it's not the way that you intended it to go but the way that the guy did it and the way that 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 character is presented to you in the movie throughout the movie it's just not the way that it's it's not it's, it's too serious and dramatic versus pulpy and that's where it became like gray for me so look i'm i'm with aaron though i didn't go in expecting a character driven plot I wasn't sure. expecting to see a King Kong movie and to see a fun King Kong movie, and I got it. Uh, I, sure. I enjoyed it. My wife enjoyed it. My kid enjoyed it. Uh, everybody in the audience enjoyed it. They all tried to get up and leave when the credits were going. I said, stop, you're about to miss something. And 80 <laughs> people sat back down again in one moment when I said something, which was kind of fun. But essentially, I think who's, it's Who's that older man film. yelling at me right now to stop at my seat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that must be author Robert James. <laughs> Yes. See, in that situation, I like to watch people leave thinking, ha I'm going to see something you're not. <laughs> you, you don't have the patience for this. Anna you're agrees with the credits. <laughs> uh, so, okay, let's, let's sure. because I want to wrap this before we get to other stuff, but let's get to some other things. Um, the director of this movie, Jordan Vike Roberts, um, he only did one other film before this, The Kings of Summer, um, which is like a. Did any of you guys see this movie, by the way? Yes. I, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It came out, I believe, the same summer as The Way, Way Back. It came out that same summer, and I felt the way way back was like the better of the two like coming of age kids stories that came out that time. But regardless, that movie is it's fine. It's a little indie movie that he did, and certainly not one where you're like, man, this guy should be given 190 million dollars to direct King Kong. Um, but here we are. Budget wins. But yeah, 190 million. Yeah. <laughs> but thinking, keeping that in mind, what I do recognize about that movie and that director is that he. There's a lot of like video game references and like little little things here and there that show me what kind of like what kind of guy this is, like what he kind of channels in the spirit of his films. And watching Kong Skull Island, I couldn't help but feel this is a movie that's made by a geek, like a huge geek. Like he has all there's a ton of video game references in this movie. But there's also a lot of just random movie reference. I mean the the whole poster campaign was like Apocalypse Now type imagery. Like there's a lot yeah. of neat stuff going and i thought that was again i just the style of this movie which is this movie is certainly devoted to the style of it i thought it really came across well as far as the use of the camera where you know little there's like little quick edit shots that reminded me of like sam early sam raimi movies there's the the the, the way colors played a huge role in this film there's a big like samurai anime sequence involving tom hiddleston using a sword and wearing a gas mask that's like this is right out of like some some 80s manga you could read or something like there's just a lot of like really just neat stuff like that that i really responded to as well that just gave it its own personality i expect to see some doves flying past in that scene and maybe directed by john woo <laughs> <laughs> i 
earlier Abe said there's maybe a bit too much slow-mo. I kind of agree. It's it's used a little too often, and I, I started to get bored of it. Uh, but if it was just used in that samurai sequence, it would have been fantastic. But that's the sixth or seventh time we've had a, a shot in slow motion, and I yeah. kind of I got it. It's fine. That feels like the reason Tom Hiddleston signed up for this movie. It's like what yeah. I get to do a, a <laughs> long tracking shot right of me that, holding yeah, a so sword and flashing forward art, and he's like, I need to do this. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston also his shirt sleeves are kind of short. It was the seventies. It was a different time. <laughs> Good point. And it's hot. It's across Skull Island. Yeah, it's like, it's an like, island. It's not gonna wear Off a coat. In the middle of nowhere. <laughs> All right. Uh, I did like the monster battles quite a bit in this movie. Uh, I like I like the creature creation. Yeah. The 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 skull crawlers was neat. Like be, yeah. given that I'm so used to seeing dinosaurs in King Kong movies, like oh this is neat. This is this is post dinosaurs, and now we're just in like crazy lizard creatures where they have no legs but arms and tails. It's like all right, let's see where that goes, and it leads to some really dramatic takedowns and things where right? <laughs> and just yeah, the, how. how... How the final battle between one of the between the big one and Kong ends is disgusting. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, um, I recoiled in disgust of that. Now, question, question to everybody here: Did you enjoy that, or did you enjoy Godzilla spitting fire down? Uh, a, I don't know the what Mutos, the Mutos, Mutos is throat. Oh, that that Godzilla or... takedown is one of my favorite things in movies of recent years. I mean, it's, it's so yeah. incredible where he just grabs the mouth and like just burn, just burns it, it blows it, fire. Yeah, <laughs> just like it, it but as, as, as you recall, I'm a big fan of that Godzilla movie. I think it's I think it did exactly what it was required to do. I know you and Robert are both lesser on that Godzilla movie. Yeah, I I thought it was fantastic, and I I look forward to seeing what I like. About, I like that these are they share the same universe. But they're, they're, they're. Not, I wouldn't say they're radically different, but they do have their own identities to them. And I'll be curious. They do. To, I'll yeah. be curious to see what the kind of what happens when you merge these two together. I'll be, I'll, I'll be very curious to see how that works. I can't wait to revisit 1962's King Kong vs. Godzilla. Yeah, that'll probably be our commentary. <laughs> <laughs> its brain is this King size. Kong escapes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they're... god, not King Kong escapes, please. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's better. That's better than King Kong lives. That's for sure. Yeah, that's true. I, don't, um, I love King Kong vs. Godzilla. The 1962 one was one of my favorites as a child. And for years, I kept wanting to see the Japanese version because Forey Ackerman lied to us all when he told us that the Japanese version, Godzilla wins. And it turns out, no, King Kong just goes away in both of them. He yeah, wins just, in both films. It's a t- it's a, <laughs> they, no one wins. They just abandoned it. That, that's what happened. Yes. <laughs> abandoned it. Right. <laughs> But uh, you know that's such a and when you when you know the fun of the fun of fight scenes seems to have left a lot of that. But the director of King Kong vs Godzilla wanted to move the franchise to a more child friendly version, and that's why the film has that more lighthearted quality to it that kept getting stronger and stronger in later Godzilla films, at least the first mm-hmm. series in the sixties and early seventies. Yeah. But when King Kong grabs Godzilla by the tail and swings him around, it's just you know there there's never been another moment in king kong films other than the original it was more fun they're just they're just that quality i mean i like king kong is king kong escapes with the giant mecha god mecha king kong is is kind of fun but uh i don't know if you guys ever seen that the animated king kong from the 60s where he has a little boy who he uh fights he goes along and the little boy tells him what to do i've seen an episode yeah it's yeah a thing. <laughs> that's what king kong escapes was a film version of it was intended to be a film they dropped the little kid but, uh, you know, there was a lot of little kids with giant robots and giant monster things in the 60s. Have you ever seen Gigantor? That, that hasn't stopped. There are still giant monsters and little kids. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a Japanese thing. 
So there's a King Kong version of Godzuki, is what I'm hearing from this. Godzilla <laughs> and Godzuki, which I was not aware of. I will seek this out immediately. I did not know there was a son of the King Kong baby thing. Awesome. I'm, I'm going to be all about that one. Right. And then, of course, <laughs> there's, you know, Mighty Joe Young, which is Ray Harryhausen's really his first moment where he stepped onto the stage as an animator. And it's more or less a version of King Kong, which is a smaller gorilla. Yeah, which was then remade with uh, Twister star Bill Paxton. Um, so, with, uh, with getting back to Kong, um, and the, the fights in particular, I do like that there's a, and this, the, the Kong was performed by both Terry Notary and Toby Kebbell, um, both of whom are, you know, did apes in the ape movies. Basically, I'm into ape movies, guys. Like, these work for me. <laughs> all these things. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the, the apes franchise. I like the King Kong franchise. It all, yeah. it all works for me. What? Nice. We talked about we talked about any which way we will lose as well. So I mean, it all it's all working. It's all coming full circle here. Um, but like I, the, the physicality of Kong, the represent like it's different from the Andy Circus version, which was more of like a straight gorilla that just happened to be oversized. This is like no, this guy's like you mentioned, Abe. He's like a veteran. Like he's he's this guy that's been he's a beast that's been doing this and seeing him like fight another one of these skull crawler things. There's scenes where like he. There's, there's one where I thought where they almost like re- they did like a key a reference to the old King Kong where he like takes the jaw and it like it seems like he's trying to rip the jaw apart <laughs> yes. and then that like that doesn't that doesn't work because like the teeth are too much so it's like I can't keep doing this and he like bashes his head against a wall and then he tries to elbow the thing against the wall but he misses and so he elbows his wall like it's just there's there's little stuff like that where it's like yeah this feels real for the, given the the environment around them like what they're trying to do it just I I thought there was a lot of cleverness as far as making dynamic fights with giant monsters that you never see. But even during the well, helicopter attack at the start, I, Kong looks like he's going to go one way and then faints the other way. And two oh, yeah. He's got to move. Yeah. each other. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the original King Kong is very much a wrestler and a boxer combined. And this one pulled that up as well. Oh, my really gosh. You just made it. Watching, you know, you're watching WWF. I mean, it, it really does feel like that with, with Kong. Kong doesn't have the belly or the behind of a typical gorilla. He's more like a, a very muscular old wrestler yeah. it is kind of going back into the ring one more time he and uh Robert he and ben affleck are the same prostate gym so yeah we're gonna have to make a movie aaron king what? kong versus wwe yep. well i look forward to that's, kong that's versus godzilla crossover. <laughs> i look forward to kong versus godzilla because kong is like muhammad ali where godzilla is like tyson he is just power so it's like well we need to see like what what kind of strategies the two of these guys come up with to fight each other <laughs> it's gonna be creed style they're gonna like trade they're gonna like they're gonna train in their own corners and then we'll, we'll get together with like a lot of rap music at the end there in the battle that'd be great it it provides a reason to bring the rock into the franchise you can actually fight the rock <laughs> well, he's literally making that movie by himself he's doing rampage he's doing the video game rampage making that movie which has kong and godzilla type creatures in it all right i think we've talked sufficiently about kong colon skull island when should people go and see this movie starve uh, I'd say Dollar Theater. I mean, you'd, from my review, I mean, I, I had some issues with it, but I still think that the visuals and the sound are, are better in a the theater. But Dollar Theater. I love the soundtrack, by the way, and the way it was being used. That was another thing I thought. Uh, I didn't really notice the soundtrack as much. You mean um, all the 70s music throughout the movie? I know, but I mean, it was kind of secondary to the what I was seeing on the screen because it, so, it was so stylized on the screen. Jay? Uh, theater, definitely. Um it, it's out in IMAX, I think. I think it would work very well in an IMAX. I saw it in a standard theater, but because of the visuals, I imagine it would look fantastic. But I think theater is enough. I intend to watch this again at home, uh, but it won't have the same impact. So get it to a bigger screen that you can find. Robert? Oh, definitely the theater. 
This is, I mean, the, the level of detail in the CGI has become just phenomenal. And you, you really do. I mean, perhaps I'm wrong in the fact that I'm noticing the amount of drill and spit coming out of Kong's mouth rather than watching the film. But uh, for whatever reason, it struck me that I was like, my God, they've added that level of detail to this. And each individual hair on Kong seems to be articulated in, its, in and of itself. And it's, it's really... I'm not noticing that it's CGI anymore, which was a problem for me for a long time. I mean, yeah. you watch the original King Kong and you say, oh, look, it's stop motion animation. And my son, when he watched it the first time, was very much wanted to know how they created Kong every step of the way throughout the whole film. But uh, it's, it's a big screen. <laughs> You've got to watch big screen. It's, it's got to be seen in the big screen for it to have its proper impact, I think. Yeah, I, of course, would say see it right away in IMAX and, and 3D even, too. Like, I saw it at the... The, you the see training, but then I saw it again with Anna, uh, my yeah. lovely girlfriend, on Friday. Given how much I love this movie, because I'm happy to see it, you know, four days after again for a second time. But yeah, the IMAX 3D presentation is fantastic. I mean, you have giant spiders jumping down at you, like it's great. Like, like why, why wouldn't I want to see this movie on a giant screen? And that said, I look forward to having it on Blu-ray where I can watch it there again and I can examine more of the details and everything. Like I did, I, yeah, I, I had a blast with this movie. So yeah, I've got a question for you guys. It's uh-huh. just a general question. But uh, King Kong in this movie eats, a, eats, a, eats an octopus, right? Yeah. He has a uh, how many other creatures can he eat before he eats everything on the island? Oh, I was thinking of that, too. I'm like, I used to run role-playing games when I was younger, and one of the, my complaints is always, how does this ecosystem work? All these monsters are <laughs> eating. Kong would die very rapidly. There's not enough meat on that island to keep that's him what alive. I, that's what I'm thinking. Vegetation to keep him alive. He's too big. I mean, the King the, Kong the, was only about 18 foot tall. There's plenty for him to eat. The hollowed ground theory Kong. that Corey Hawkins is talking about the entire time means that there's plenty of monsters underground yes. that he that he's eating, that he's thriving. Uh, I guess, on. yeah. Maybe he occasionally wakes. What what are they? they? I don't I don't know. I don't I don't not I don't live underground. I can't tell you. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they're not they, eating. I, the, they're not eating the locals on the when, island because those locals are safe. When we watch, when we next time we see a reboot of Journey to the Center of the Earth, then we can find out what they're eating out there. <laughs> there you go. Whenever Brendan Fraser's up to, we'll figure that out. I'm down. But no, I, I mean. Yes, obviously there's whole this whole the original King Kong is my favorite hole of all time where they're like, Hey, let's go to New York, guys, and then you just don't so you don't show Kong traveling on that tiny ship to New York, you just cut to New York. Like it's great. Like, it's like, okay. <laughs> they didn't even travel by line? It's by no. map. Travel by map. By map, yeah. Travel by map, my bad. <laughs> Alright. Anyhow. I know, but how many scenes do you really need to see of Kong strapped down to the top of the freighter? Well, that's what the 70s you know, one tries well, to do, and it's like <laughs> uh, they they like throw a bunch of bananas at him. It's like, okay, come on. <laughs> That 70s version is not good, guys. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on now. Let's get on to our sponsor real quick. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Why Audible? Why? Insert Kong noise there. Audible Why? content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any kind of MP3 device. Additionally, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash podcast. Choose a book to download for free and start listening. It's just that easy. Get a book for free. Check out the service. If you don't like the service, you can get that book that you download for free, for free. So be a winner. And read. Or listen at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. All right, let's move on now to feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you. Um, <laughs> this week, um, we have a lot of feedback once again. we uh, This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, where we ask a number of questions related to Kong and what have you. And you guys gave us some answers, and then you asked us some questions, and crazy enough, we're going to give you answers. 
That's it's crazy. Whole, it's a whole like situation. One of those. So uh, what? I know. I'm confused too. All right. <laughs> so uh, first question we had, yeah. first question we asked everybody is who is your favorite giant mo- movie monster? Chris writes the kaiju in Pacific Rim. Philip has Botachi in Pacific Rim. Well, Pacific Rim love. The first two a lot of Pacific Rim love. Yeah. Do you guys have any uh, favorite giant monsters in movies? Giant in reference to the characters. Scud in Toy Story. Okay. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's a giant monster to the little toys. Relative yeah. to the character, yes. <laughs> I mean, I like we'll my King Kong, guys. I like I like the Yeah, King Kong. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Robert, do you have, uh, Robert, do you have the, a favorite? Uh, 49 and a half foot woman. I'm just kidding. Okay. Robert, do you have a favorite like movie monster, like a giant movie monster? Oh, either King Kong or Godzilla or both. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, when when Animal gets a giant in the Muppet movie. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'll also add Giant Man in uh, Civil War. Yes. There you go. Uh, next question we asked everybody, what is your favorite John C. Riley movie? Ruben writes Chicago and Step Brothers. Ricardo writes Chicago. Ha-ha. Uh, Chris writes John C. Riley Rocks. Chicago as well. Love Mr. Cellophane and Talladega Nights. Friend of the show, Adam writes Chicago. Chris Kennedy writes Walk Hard. Philip has Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, friend of the show Maxwell has Magnolia, which I echo. Yep. Uh, Tyler has The Lobster, and Manish writes Cyrus. A lot of Chicago love in there. Um, yeah. My, I mean, Walk Hard seems like my easy go-to for this one. The Dewey Cox story? The Dewey Cox story, yes. Um, he's, he, he has a lot. Wreck It Ralph is one of I think like the best one of the best castings you could have ever done in a movie. Is him, him as Wreck It Ralph? That's just it's just perfect. Yeah. Uh, but he's had so many great movies. I mean, Magnolia came up. That's a great one. He's great in the Magnolia lobster is. last year for a support as a supporting yes. role. He gets his hand put in a toaster. Yeah. <laughs> Robert, I think you mentioned he's a treasure. Like he, John C. Riley is is great in, in yeah. this movie. Yeah, he's like, great in almost everything. In general, yeah. yeah I, I really noticed him first in Boogie Nights. I thought he was just yep. great in that yep. movie. He's great in he was a, Oh, right. Yeah. He's his best friend. I think I first saw him in The Perfect Storm. And even in that, he's good. Where he's, he's playing it, yeah. playing it up dramatic in that movie. Yes, I mean he's a great dramatic actor and also a comedic actor. Yeah, That's... I've been I've been saying I said I said to my dad on the way home from King Kong, which he also loved. He loved Skull Island. Oh, uh, that was Dad's movie corner. That was Dad's movie corner. Uh, okay. That he should host the Oscars. Like John C. Riley, Anna, you were asking about this about like triple threat actors. The guy can sing, he can act, he's funny, he can probably dance. Like he's... he probably can. Did he do much dancing in Chicago? Just said Mr. Cellophane, didn't he? Yeah, I can't remember him. I didn't see him much. I just looked right through him yeah, in that film. Put him in the Oscars. He'd be great. <laughs> Good one, Jay. Who, who wouldn't like uh-huh. John C. Riley hosting the He'd just be such a great pro, warm presence hosting the Oscars. He yeah, has a lot he of could, characters they can bring up, too. Yeah, maybe he could co-host with Will Ferrell. If they were, he'd bring him on at a point. Way. You know, you don't need to get him in the whole time. He's like, yeah, okay, Will Ferrell. <laughs> Let's get to our next question. Aside yes. from Godzilla, who or what would you want to see King Kong fight? Chris writes, "Hate to jump on someone's bandwagon, but I like the idea of the Cloverfield monster, which is that'd be cool." Yeah, Maxwell mentioned the Cloverfield monster. Uh, Tyler writes, "Rocky Balboa." It would have to be the logical next fight after Ivan Drago. <laughs> <laughs> Mark. Marcus writes Hammurabi. Oh, Marcus. Har- or, sorry, Harambe. Sorry. Harambe, yeah. Um, Philip writes Gypsy Danger. Getting plenty of Pacific, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim, yeah. yeah. 
and uh, Manish writes a Harry Potter giant. Those okay. guys look like they were tough to take down. Probably. Yeah. A horde like of zombies. A horde of zombies. Oh, yeah. Well, question, follow-up question: Fast acting zombies or slow walking zombies? Both. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> what world is this? This is not a world I want to live in. <laughs> Well, it's, it's a world where the zombies start out fast, but as they begin to deteriorate, they become slow. That makes that actually makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see, let's see like here. Donald Trump, because the outcome would be Donald. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Next question we asked everybody: Samuel L. Jackson brings some menace to his role in it as a Captain Ahab like Colonel in Kong Skull Island. Who is your favorite military leader type character in film? Taylor has Robert Duvall. In, a pop, in Apocalypse Now, because we all love the smell of napalm in the morning. Chris writes Brad Pitt and Christoph Waltz in Glorious Bastards. Brad Pitt was also geared in Fury. John has Joel Sargent in Full Metal Jacket, which was played by Arlie oh, Ermey. Yeah. <laughs> and he's That's he's great. Yeah. Uh, Jason has Jean-Luc Picard in Star Trek First Contact. And lastly, Philip has King Theoden from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but Arlie Ermey in everything he's ever been in, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to piggyback on what uh, an answer Anna gave yesterday, which is uh, Tommy Lee Jones in uh, Captain America, which I think is a, he's a he's terrific in that Oh, movie. yeah. Yeah, he is pretty good. Yeah. John yeah, Wayne, she wore a yellow yeah. ribbon. John Wayne what? John Wayne, and she wore a yellow ribbon. She wore a yellow ribbon, yes. Yeah, I like that too. Not, not John Wayne and Green Berets or uh, <laughs> that, uh, that Marine movie he made, Stand to Z with Jima. No, no, don't want to follow that guy. Well, if we're just doing if we're just doing drill sergeant type movies, uh, Major Pain comes about. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's currently a, a Walmart exclusive Blu-ray I saw on the, the list. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it exclusive to Walmart? Certain suit, certain uh, stores get exclusive bonus Blu-ray. materials. Well, like Best Buy has like a lot of exclusive Blu-rays that they don't like. It'll be like a, mu- a few months later they'll be sold to everybody, but like certain stores get just like. The rights to him for a while for some reason. I saw that on the list of Blu-rays coming out. Major pain. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, all right, next question. Favorite film about exploring uncharted or mysterious territory? Chris writes, at the time Dune, I thought it was a kick-ass comma, but doesn't... I thought it was kick... Sorry. I thought it was kick-ass, but doesn't hold up so well. Therefore, has to be an a- has to be alien or aliens. Can't beat a good bug hunt. Uh, John writes, the latest Mad Max, Fury Road. And Manish writes Interstellar. Favorite films about exploring uncharted, mysterious territory, guys? Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs 2. There, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Yeah, that's a good answer. San Fran Jose is their hometown, too. Yep. They have chimpanzees. Sh- <laughs> well, if you've never seen it, the original silent version of The Lost World, uh-huh. which is uh, where Willis O'Brien got his chance to create his first dinosaurs. It's, it's really quite a remarkable film for his period. It's what gave them the idea that he could go on to do Kong. It was such mm-hmm. a big hit that they kept working on a film called Creation, which is where Willis O'Brien's making more dinosaurs. And then Shudzak and Cooper came in and said, well, we're not going to make Creation, but we want to use your dinosaurs in the footage you shot already for Kong. And yeah, yeah. That's when it all came together. Robert, what you're mentioning, there's a lot of... On the on the Kong Blu-ray and the DVD, there's like some really great like um, documentaries about the whole making of it. It mentions all that that you're just talking about really heavily. So, oh yeah, they're wonderful. Yeah, I certainly. If you haven't, for one thing, the 1933 King Kong is a classic, and but and the 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 Blu-ray edition of that film is incredible as far as both the you know it looks and sounds better than it ever has, 
and the and uh, fully restored. Yeah, fully Every restored. Every last frame's back, except yes. for the scene in the the spider pit, which they never released. Although people have claimed they've seen it. Yeah, they've claimed so. But yeah, there are also some terrific extra features on that Blu-ray as well, where you can really kind yeah. of see the whole. And story. also on the Peter Jackson Blu-ray, uh, if you've seen the uh, the recreation of the spider pit with um, slow uh, stop motion animation, that's lots of fun for people who like the original movie. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Next question. What action adventure films have you found to be the most visually impressive? Uh, Chris writes Luke Besson films, especially the fifth element, not necessarily effects, just great color. Also guardians, guardians of the galaxy was a visual treat. Maxwell yeah. writes Raiders of the Lost Ark, hero, speed racer, etc. Manish writes Mad Max Fury Road. Speed There's racer. a lot. I mean, those, those are some good answers there. there. Yeah. I mean, even just recently, I think John wick two. And John Wick in general, but John Wick too. John Wick in general, yeah. There's great, like, like really so, nice neon colors. Yeah, it, it really makes it creates a world within its fairly standard plotting. Yeah, I'll go back Strange. and pull up an older one called The Professionals from 1966. Okay. With uh, Burt Lancaster and Lee Marvin and Woody Strode, a wonderful film, really intelligent adventure film. But uh, Gordon Willis, if I remember correctly, he was the cinematographer, and he's really starting to stretch himself and learning how to film dust and and uh, winds and and landscapes uh, in ways that really people hadn't done much of before it's 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 a great film cinematographically cinematograph cin- oh, you know what i'm talking about yes, <laughs> as far as it's cinematography yeah. yeah jay did you add dr strange to that yes yes, yeah. yes. I, I love the visuals of dr strange yeah that's what i voted for uh, to win a, the oscar but it did not you lost i voted i voted kubo i lost too you voted kubo oh okay yeah just because i want a stop motion film to win Best visual effects. Yeah, I found them. Nice. It would have been I nice to like it. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> now we move to questions that uh, the audience members asked to everybody here on the panel. Friend of the show, Maxwell asked everybody here today. Recently, a new King Kong ride has opened on Islands of Adventure in Orlando. If you could crest a ride featuring giant monsters, what would it be like? I think create a ride is what he's going for. <laughs> I was like crest, meaning like you know, yeah, you're at the top. Of you're at the, the top ride. of the top of the wave of the ride. <laughs> you're coming down. <laughs> But if you could create a ride featuring giant monsters, what would it be like? That's a good question. Uh, well, hmm. Maybe I maybe I'd go for like a universal ride where it's all their movie monsters, and so it's it's. That'd like, be kind of cool. It'd be like it'd be like a fight ride where it's like you'd have Dracula and the Mummy and Frank, like they're all like in this this crazy adventure of them like fight while you're like going through the ride. They're all like fighting in the background and stuff and doing things. And Creature of the Black Lagoon comes out and stuff, and then Jaws. Just random Universal monsters, basically. You know, I, Jason yeah. Statham from Fast and Furious comes out. He's like, "Oi!" <laughs> no, it's got to be from Crank. But I guess yeah, Fast and That's the Furious makes sense. Exactly. Got to be Universal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would have a uh, Cabin in the Woods type ride, but you're in a golf cart, uh, just like uh, oh, just, just like, like uh, Richard Jenkins Bradley. and uh, Kong Skull Island's but, Richard Jenkins. Yeah, exactly. For very for very brief. But you're riding through on your golf cart, and these monsters come out, uh, and then at the end there, it just goes into like, this giant uh, bloodbath, and you just get to sit through it in your golf cart. I bet you could do the same with an elevator, with the cabin in the woods, like you're going down, and it's awesome. Oh, that'd be kind of neat, too, yeah. Basically, you make it see like all the, these monsters through the side it, of them. The, uh, the tower, you'd make it the Tower of Terror with monsters in it. Yeah, but it moves sideways as well. Yeah. But the, um, the the sequence in Skull Island where you kind of get the helicopter's eye view of Kong picking up and throwing it around, that really remi- really reminded me of the old Universal ride based on the 70s. Well, they have uh, that Kong. now at Universal in the in the tram tour. They have a whole King yes. Kong 360 experience, which is pretty well done. I think it's pretty awesome. 
uh, where he, and it has Cog just like fighting T Rexes around like a train <laughs> around the tram car. It's pretty. It's really impressive what he tries to do. Yeah, I basically already have my ideal ride as far as King Kong. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing, Aaron. The the Kong versus the T Rexes that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and they created that as a ride, so it's like, what, okay, I got it. <laughs> I, got that, I got that answer. I don't know, maybe like Cloverfield, just less shaky, just running around. <laughs> Cloverfield less shaky. Yeah. No more shaky cams, please. Our next question is from Chris. Okay, if you had an unlimited budget and the pick of any director, what monster film would you remake? Mine would be Eli Roth and Monsters, Inc. Okay. Mm. Um, unlimited budget what is monster, a dangerous what, thing. Well, first we have to get to what monster film would we remake. Like, I'm surprised well, I we have one yeah, for yeah. you that yeah. was supposed to happen and came close to it. Akira Kurosawa was supposed to direct a Godzilla film in the mid to late 60s. Wow. And the studio wouldn't let him do it because they were too afraid he would go over budget. Even though his movies have tended to be successful over his career as a filmmaker. Right. <laughs> like I it, think that would have been a really interesting film. An Akira Kurosawa uh, you know, Godzilla film would have been very interesting. I'd be curious what role Toshiro yeah. Mifune would have played. That's, there you go. That's the dedication he has. Well, and the uh, other actor that's always in all the Akira Kurosawa films, the one that plays the lead of the samurai and Seven Samurai, yeah, yeah, uh, um, Takashi Shimura, mm-hmm. he was he was already in Godzilla. He plays in the original film as the scientist. Yep, which came out the same year as Seven Samurai. <laughs> it was there a big you go. Year. It was a big year for Japan. Uh, I, I'm surprised we still haven't seen a Creature of the Black Lagoon movie, but I mean, Universal is... Aren't they going to remake one? Or... That's that's part of their plan of their whole, like, let's... Yeah, like the whole entire, these, like, make Universal mon- Monsters. Yeah, because you have, like, Tom Cruise's yeah. Mummy coming out this year, which is, like, the start of it. Yeah. I'd like an Anaconda remake by the director. <laughs> no, that um, was fun as is! <laughs> right, well, okay, an Anaconda sequel, but today... Oh, and, and it, it would, John Voight has to come back. It, well, it would star Ice Cube's <laughs> son as Ice Cube. Yes, exactly. That'd be hilarious. Can he still have the same line? Yeah, there's snakes out here this big. <laughs> John Voight must now come I feel back like we're, use the now same I feel like we're doing a, a version of cast this for Anaconda. For Anaconda. Who's going to play the Jennifer Lopez role? Uh, no one. It's not a great role. <laughs> yeah. You could probably be Owen Wilson back. He could play the well, the role. film I would like to see, the, the guy that directed Hellboy and... Uh, oh, Guillermo del Toro, yeah. Yeah, at the HP Lovecraft at the Mountains of Madness yeah. never got forward. That'd yeah. be, be kind of cool. Well, maybe someday yeah. he will be able to make it. Someday, we'll, hopefully. We'll see. All right. Well, that was enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Now it's um, it's getting late here, but we still got some time. Maybe what uh, what time? What time is it? Uh, Aaron, I think it's time for a quick round of games here. Little known fact, that's actually the song that plays to make King Kong go to sleep. Yep, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the King Kong bedtime story. That's, that's, that's yeah, that's right. Of I've course. got a game for you guys today. Yeah, what is it? What we got? It's it's a movie taglines Kongzilla edition. Okay. Oh, hell. <laughs> so I'll be telling you guys some movie taglines and uh, buzz in with your name if you think you know which King Kong movie or Godzilla movie it is from. So, for example, I would say Aaron and Godzilla, 19... 19- Nineteen ninety-eight. Yeah, you, you, for some of these you have to specify the year because okay. they, they might have the it's same. Not gonna go well. <laughs> I think you'll be all right. The first two are fairly easy. I, yeah, I feel like I already know them probably offhand. Let's <laughs> go. Here we go. Here, first movie tagline: Two King Kongs fight to the death. J. J. King Kong escapes. That's correct. 
Hey. There you go. <laughs> and here you are doubting yourself. That's that's the one point I'm going to get. Next one here. Size does matter. Aaron. Aaron. That's 1998's Godzilla. That's that's also correct. Yeah. Damn it. I should have got that one. Look. Moving next right, right along here. The eighth wonder of the world. Jay. Jay. King Kong. Which year? The, the 33 one. That is incorrect. Okay. I have to guess. Aaron? Aaron? The 70s King Kong? That's no. also incorrect. Is it? No, okay. Yep. Robert with the steel? I would have sworn that was the 1933 one, but... It was um, probably used. I know that. Uh, Process of elimination I, here. I don't know. <laughs> you may as well guess one of them. Uh, uh, Son of Kong. That's Son of Kong. 2005's King Kong. Oh, good lord. That was dumb. <laughs> no worries. Next one here. The most exciting original motion picture event of all time. Jay. Robert. Robert. Uh, 1933 King Kong. 19... That is incorrect. Jay. Jay. 1976 King Kong. That's correct. Yeah, King Kong. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. That was their tagline for the remake of King Kong? <laughs> <laughs> the most exciting Seven original movie you've ever seen? <laughs> the next one here. The King Will Rise. <laughs> Robert. Robert. Uh, King Kong Returns. Or the, that is the, incorrect. The sequel, the, 70s, the sequel to the 70s, King Kong. That's <laughs> King Kong lives. That's it. In, incorrect. No? All right. Jay. Jay. <laughs> the 33 King Kong. That is incorrect. Aaron. Aaron. Is it Godzilla King of the Monsters? You got Godzilla right, but it's 2014's Godzilla. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but it's called King in the bloody thing. I know. Those bastards messing with you. Oh, dear. Next one here. A God Incarnate. A city doomed. Aaron. Aaron. It, is it Godzilla? <laughs> 54? Do you have a more specific Godzilla? Godzilla King of the Monsters? <laughs> it's not Godzilla King of the Monsters. I'll, I'll give you guys a clue. It's, it's very recent. What other Godzilla? No dice? Jay? I'll say that it was a uh, limited release here in the U.S., but Jay. it was huge in Japan. Oh. Jay? Is it the Godzilla that came out like last year? Do you have the proper title for it? I know that? the title. Gojira. No, I, I know don't. Aaron knows the title. <laughs> Aaron I think it had no release in the UK. Shin Godzilla, <laughs> aka Godzilla that, Resurgence. That is correct. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here, Japanese Academy Award winner for Best Picture. That's right. Yeah. America's biggest hero is back, and he is not happy. Robert. Robert. King Kong lives. That's correct. All right. <laughs> All right. Next one here. We don't belong here. We don't belong here. Jay. Jay. Oh, is it Destroy All Monsters? Or that is incorrect. Oh, that's, that's the wrong film. No. We don't belong here. Aaron or Robert? We don't belong here. Uh, Robert. Robert. Is it Kong Skull Island? That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, one. I'm not quite senile yet. 
<laughs> and uh, last one here. The two mightiest monsters of all time. Aaron. Robert. Uh, toss up between Aaron and Robert, but I heard Aaron first. King Kong versus Godzilla. That is correct. King Kong versus Godzilla. All right. And uh, just for funsies, do you guys know which uh, King Kong movies have won Academy Awards? This is just for funsies. I think the first. Wait, what did you no. say? What'd you, what'd you say? The I'm first sorry. one got um, nothing. Which King Kong movies have won Academy Awards? You said King, I heard Godzilla. I was thinking Godzilla. Um, no, no. King Kong. No, the, the, no, the, the, the Peter Jackson. Jackson the Peter Jackson won like oh, four. Oh, five is correct. Yep. Yeah. It won uh, what? Uh, production design. Um, both sounds. For the sound. Yeah. And sounds. Yeah. I don't think it won cinematography. I don't, don't think that it did either. It was nominated for cinematography, but um, let's see the third. I guess. Oh, visual and effects, I, of course. I, visual effects. <laughs> yeah. I hope yeah. the seventies one didn't win anything. <laughs> it did. <laughs> what? Nineteen seventy-six won for special achievement award for visual effects. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't count. <laughs> That's not voted for. <laughs> it did get it did get nominated for cinematography and sound as well. But it didn't win, and that's the main thing. <laughs> and for funsies, that was uh, for fun. But uh, Aaron, you are the winner of the game here with Robert and Jay very close, very very close. I pulled so that it was off. A tight one. <laughs> I was I was concerned. I didn't know if I was winning. Uh, it was a tight one this week. So that was games. All right. Well, good game, Abe. Very challenging. That was challenging. Boy, it was, it was surprisingly game. challenging. <laughs> I would not have gotten any of those, by the way. I'm shocked anyway. I go ahead. All right. Well, let's move on. Now. Let's get to Out Now, Presents Out Now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. And we got a few here. Uh, first up, Fences. Yeah, it was, it was all right. I uh, I was able to review the Blu-ray, which you can find at uh, wiseofblue.com. And uh, I've I've grown to like this movie more and more every time I kind of see it or think about it. And I already liked it quite a bit when I saw it. But uh, yeah, that's out this week. Um, Passengers out this week. Uh, not really worth watching. I thought it was fine. <laughs> um, Collateral Beauty. I heard that it was crazy, it's but it's awful. not as not as bad as some people make it out to be. Jay, you hate Disagree. it. Disagree. I believe. <laughs> I, hate, I hate this film. It's a terrible, <laughs> terrible film. <laughs> I, I, it's not good. I'm not giving it that. It's good. I, I do think a bit has been made up much about how how bad it is. I, I don't think it's that bad. Compared to Jay, apparently. <laughs> but, um, I, think... I had it as my worst film of last year. <laughs> wow. The only only good thing about it is Helen Mirren's performance. Everything else is trash. As far as I'm concerned. Because she's British. Because she's uh, British. Half the cast is British. Yeah, half the cast. There is no... yeah. <laughs> I, I watched it because Kate Winslet's in it, and she's not great. Oh, that's right. Keira Knightley's also in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. L up for uh, Best Actress. Uh, that was, yeah, that was up for Academy Award, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, let's see, The Love Witch, which I don't think any of us saw. I haven't heard of that. It was a smaller release, and I know a lot of uh, there's a lot of critics that are putting it on top ten lists and whatnot. Yeah, I've heard okay. good things. I'll uh, never watch it. Um, six, season one. This is, I believe, like an A and E series around uh, SEAL Team Six. Had Walton Goggins in the lead. Oh. Uh, which I haven't heard, heard anything about as far as the regard for it. It's just like, oh, that's a preview I saw once, and now that's on Blu-ray. Okay. Um, Solace. This is a film with Anthony Hopkins and Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and what I know about this film is that it was a re- it was a it was a premise for a seven sequel, and it just became its own thing. That's that's what I know. Interesting. About. Yeah. Mm. All right. I believe the I believe Anthony Hopkins plays like a a psychic guy, like and he can he involves himself with detectives trying to find some crime or something. 
Oh, that movie. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that movie. <laughs> I remember seeing a trailer. Yeah. Well, I remember seeing a trailer for it. Yeah, the trailer came out. Uh, let's see. A new Steelbook edition of Ghost in the Shell, the original anime, uh, came out this week. Oh, okay. It comes out this week. It has. No- I reviewed this, too. There's nothing new on it. It's just in a fancy case. Okay. Um, and obviously timed with the, the upcoming movie. With the movie release, right. Uh, let's see. Firestarter and Red Dawn, both getting Shout and Scream Factory releases this week. Firestarter, the... Stephen, the Stephen King one with uh, with Drew Barrymore. Were you gonna say Steven Spielberg? No. Uh, okay. And uh, Red Dawn, <laughs> obviously Red Dawn with the the Patrick Swayze, uh, C. Thomas Howell version, not the the remake. With Thor himself. Yeah. But yeah, those are getting a uh, new fancy editions. Okay. Um, why did I write this one down? The Valley of Guanji. Oh, it's a new Warner Archive release. That's why. <laughs> and because right because Robert's on. Do you know this movie? There you go. The Valley of Guanji. Mm-hmm. That's a great old film. It's actually a Willis O'Brien screenplay that Ray Harryhausen pulled out of the files, and uh, it was a long dream project of Willis O'Brien, so he made it kind of as an homage to him. But, I mean, how can you not love cowboys and dinosaurs together? There you go. Yeah, that's a good point. That's why it's good to have Robert on this show. I can pull about the Valley of Guanji, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that movie, of course. <laughs> also, speaking of Warner Archive, the, of useless knowledge. Yep, the, the Demon Seed is also out this week on Warner Archive. Um, haven't oh good god the computer rapes the woman Makes is that what happens in that movie oh, yep no. it's awful it's that's really how Transcendence bad. begins with Johnny Depp that's how Transcendence begins <laughs> remember that movie <laughs> I don't remember that movie but now that I just thought about it Wally Fister that's... I haven't seen him on any credits lately he did the tick pilot Oh, did he? Yeah, he did. Wow. Yeah, that, was, he did. that was a good pilot yeah, it was a good pilot yeah, he directed that which I was surprised by I was like oh Wally Fister that's where he is okay Okay. Uh, okay, that's what the, that's what's out now. Let's move on to extremely cool. These are things that are now on Netflix or streaming that we could uh, make reference to. Um, Love season two. This is that show with um, Paul Rust and Gillian Jacobs, produced by Judd Apatow. That was on Netflix. Yep. That's new seasons out. Um, Million Dollar Baby. Uh, you know, Clint Eastwood's uh, Academy Award winning film. That's on Netflix. That's now. a great movie. Uh, Peach Dragon, which came out last year. The the recent one? Yes, the recent one. That's on Netflix. Okay. As well as the BFG. Surprising. Oh, the BFG. Yeah, well, it's that it's that Disney license with Netflix now, so those movies get on Netflix faster. I'm glad. Like on, on streaming. Yeah. So, yeah, you can... Uh, for everyone that didn't check out the latest Steven Spielberg film, because apparently Steven Spielberg's not cool with audiences anymore, you can uh, finally see the BFG. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that's extremely cool. Next week's show. Next week, we're talking Beauty and the Beast, the uh, upcoming live-action Disney remake of Beauty and the Beast. Um, so that should be something to talk about. And um, for now, though, last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Jay, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, Kong, and by the time this comes out, Transporting 2. Oh, yeah. What are you seeing next? <laughs> uh, Beauty and the Beast for my next Glamcast. All right. Robert, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, Kong, and uh, I'll be watching The Last Picture Show for the very first time this week. Oh, Jeff Bridges, classic. Nice. Peter, Peter Bogdanovich. <laughs> That's a fun name to say <laughs> fast. Uh, Abe, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, I'll echo Kong, but at the same time, uh, also Get Out is a, a solid movie to, to check out. Um, and then next, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, uh, um, Get Out for sure. It's a hit, guys. It's, it's, one, it's one to see. And uh, Logan, I'd say Logan is one to see as well, and and of course Kong, because I really love Kong. 
And uh, the next film that I'm seeing, I'm seeing Song to Song, the new Terrence Malick film. Oh, that's Terrence Malick, yeah. yeah. Oh. That guy is, seems like he's making a movie every year. Yeah, now. He's, he's become quite prolific for a man that took 30-year breaks in between movies before. Right, yeah, so... He's trying um, to make his his lifetime average kind of normal. He's trying, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> he was just tired. <laughs> oh, okay. Badlands and the, um, and, um, oh, what's the Richard Gere one? Um... Uh, day, day of Days of Heaven really took it out of him before uh, he made the thin red line. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to take a break, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm seeing Song to Song next. Uh, yeah, and I'm bringing my dad with me. He's a huge he's a huge Terrence Malick fan, so it's like, uh, yeah, all right. Another dad's movie corner. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to do it for this week's show, guys. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Our Name. You can find more of my work and my personal blog at thecodeazeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews over there, as well as on wisetheblue.com. You can also find me on twitter.com slash Aaron's PS4. Abe? more fun stuff over at Oakley Doakley, Instagram, and twitter.com slash Moose. Hashtag John C. Riley is my driving buddy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I took the wind out of me. <laughs> so let me just take a question. That hashtag kept going. Um, <laughs> Jay Cluett, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, Lambcast is the podcast, find it on iTunes. Uh, the Lamb is the large arsemovieblogs.com. Uh, my own site is Life vs. Film, and find me on Twitter at Life vs. Film. Robert James, where can people find more of your work? You can find my books on Amazon. Uh, look up Robert James Who One is the fastest route to them. And there are four of them out now, and I also have a blog at rjameswho1.wordpress.com. You have a lot of fun polls on there, which I think is pretty cool, too. Thanks, I have fun making them. And all right, so you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes as well as on Audio Boom. Listen to us over at HHWLOD, Automatic, and SoundCloud. Feel free to email us any of your thoughts on Kong, Skull Island, or anything else we discussed today, including every which way we <laughs> loose in any which way we can at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Yeah. Or you can write on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or tweet at us at twitter.com. Slash out now underscore podcast. And please, please send us plenty of gifts of Kong smashing various things at our Tumblr page, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> and uh, with all that said, Jay, Robert, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks thank for you for having us. For sure. Lots of fun, lots of discussion, lots of games, all kinds of good stuff. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for now. So until next week when we uh, talk about Beauty and the Beast, that's going to do it. So until next time, so long. And goodbye.
for just doing drill sergeant type movies, uh, Major Pain comes to mind. 